gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. Hey everybody, this is South Cox. I'm here with the crew from Kafaru Cast and Mike Hearn as well, just getting back from an elk hunt and uh, had a hell of a time. Yes, we did. Uh, so um, I guess a little uh, kind of backdate this. This was a hunt um, you've been on a couple years now. This is your third year. Yeah. Um, yep. Really, really cool elk unit, but but actually, and I'm, I'm apologizing now for... Um, I, I took, uh, can I mention his name, whose tag I took? Can we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cody uh, Clellan was supposed to be with Born and Raised Outdoors, supposed to go on this hunt, but he, he burned all his points in, in Oregon to draw a really good tag, so he wasn't able to go. And then Oregon caught on fire, and he was going to be able to go, but then it ended up working out well. He shot a, a good bull in Oregon, so I don't feel as bad now. Yeah, yeah, it looked like for a minute there, he got holding the bag as uh, last guy without a tag once they closed the public lands, but I guess it reopened, and like you said, he shot a heck of a bull there, um, but I was feeling pretty bad for him there for a minute. Yeah, I, I wasn't. No, <laughs> no, I was like, oh, that sucks, but um, so we, we uh, kind of, uh, everybody's schedules are pretty hectic except i guess south you killed your buck on the second day i tried to retire back there again so you you were on a hunt in nevada came back on that early get some work done and then went on your high country mule deer hunt yep and then got back and built bows like crazy uh and then we all met up i guess we went out on the 18th yeah yep so it was me and mike mike was calling and filming for me and then you had your crew uh, yeah you talk a little about those guys yes so i had um um say two of the same guys that came with me last year mitchell bond and levi mayfield mitchell um is from longmont up there and came along to call and help pack and uh and then levi mayfield um from oklahoma he um he came along filming, filmed for me last year as well, and super, you know, good dude, really good game eye. Uh, both of them, really, actually. It's nice to have younger eyes when you're twice as old as them. Yes, yes. Mitchell, or not Mitchell. Uh, Levi? Le yeah, Levi, but we, uh, day one, uh, he's behind me trying to film. He's right there, you see him? Yeah, I see him, man. Oh, he moved. He moved right. I'm like, this motherfucker's got good eyes. I was like, holy <laughs> yeah. cow. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, they they uh, were definitely um, spotting more game than me, which is a little bit humbling considering I've probably got as many years in the field as they've been alive or more. Um, but it's, it's good to have uh, young young backs along there to help haul the heavy stuff for sure. Yeah. I'll touch on that later because um, I was making fun of them, but they do have young backs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we, we had three llamas, five guys, and we went in about seven miles. Um, and we didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into in the sense of I didn't really know terrain. I didn't, you know, I just was like, well, I'll trust South. And on the way in, I was like, one, like it was far, which was fine because we didn't have a ton of weight going. We probably all had. 30 pounds maybe i don't know or 40 i don't yeah know. somewhere in that range and uh we got in there we heard some uh we heard some bugles and then 
um, you know, when we set, we got camp set up, uh, and then we, 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 you knew where we were going. I, I, you know, it wasn't like we were going in blind. So South was wanting to get into this basin and I was, um, you know, we had gone in, I don't know, a couple miles farther and there was elk everywhere. And you said it was bad compared to the year before. Yeah. Well, the year before, um, we camped a little bit further up the drainage than we did the, um, this time we kind of realized that last year we, we got too close to the head of the, or the base of the Canyon, the mouth of the Canyon that we wanted to start hunting in. And when we rolled into camp last year, it was maybe half hour, 45 minutes before dark and the bulls are just ripping and we were throwing high fives and super, you know, couldn't be higher. And we, and you know, it was just amazing. And then about 45 minutes after dark, we're trying to sleep and it's just the bulls are screaming and then it's like, shut up, you know? So, and then we had some that, that uh, I think winded us in the middle of the night that came down lower, you know, into the main drainage there. So we decided we'd back off a little further down. And actually when we went in this year, there ended up being two other camps, one below us and one further up above us. Um, the one further up above us was actually in the mouth of the canyon, right as it spilled into the main drainage. And we didn't see that one until um, later in the evening, but it kind of explained why we didn't hear as many bugles as we had that first year. Um, so, you know, it was a little bit quieter up in that canyon that, um, that I shot my bull in last year, uh, you know, the, the first day that we were in there this year, but it was still, we, we, I don't know how many, how many bulls do you think we saw, um, or heard up in there? There's maybe half a dozen or something on huh? there. At least, I think there was at least eight because yeah. we walked by two or three on the way in and we watched five run. It was, oh, yeah, it yeah. was insane. I forgot about those going yeah. over the top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. That first day we went in and there was probably, well, there was a bull on the right that, that I went after. There was two on the left. Um, and then there ended up being, I mean, there might have been close to 12. Um, once we had hooked yeah. around and up watching across. Because right. we were watching five or six across. Anyway, we went up to the, to the left of the valley and we ended up getting winded and we're sitting there and you spotted a bear. Yeah. Um, a, a, a big bear. And you were like, dude, I got a bear tag. And so you, you dropped down, uh, after the, the bear. And then we were like, we were going to stick together the day. And I'm like, man, let's Mike and I go uh, up this side and look around and you guys look around on the other side. So Mitchell was with me. Levi went with you when you went after yep. the bear, we hung out for a little bit and then Mitchell dropped down to you. And then Mike and I, uh, tried to circle the globe. Um, we hiked straight up to the top above tree line. That was a long, what was that? 48,000 steps that day or something? Uh, that was a lot. Yeah. I know. We did, we did a lot of miles in a short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you that, that ridge that you guys climbed up, I, I hope I never have to do it again. I've done it a couple times <laughs> and it just flat out sucks. I mean, it's, I think over 1500 vertical feet and it's basically straight up getting That's out of I that remember. canyon. I, you, I messaged you and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And you're like, dude, this is as bad as the mule deer, mule deer country. Yeah. Physically. Like, holy shit. That sounds. Yeah. Cause we climbed to the top and, and, uh, we kind of just were like, well, well, it's a scouting day. If we get into elk, great. You yeah. know, cause we, cause up there you can see everything. Right. And 
the canyon, we looked at that canyon. I was like, Jesus, that's got to be full of elk. And then you went up it and it was full of elk, but we'll, I don't want to fast forward. So Mike and I, well, yeah, we went all over. We didn't really see, it was windy, super windy. Real windy. We kind of ridge ran it, just glassing into the basins. And we didn't know what you guys were. We had no communication whatsoever. We didn't know what you guys were doing. And Mike and I ran into bighorn sheep, so we knew we were pretty high. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we dropped down, and the funny thing was, is we circle all the way back to where we started, and there's fucking elk where we started. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm not climbing that thing ever again. In fact, we did a video because I had service up there. Yeah. And uh, we said, you know, there's service up here. We're probably not going to have it again. And I think I put the camera on Mike, and you were like, there's no fucking way I'm coming back up here. This sucked. Nope. And... We looped around. It, I'm glad we went up there. One to know what it's, you know, what it took yep. to get up there. Two to see the terrain. And but when we dropped back down, we got into elk. But the wind is extremely finicky in in this unit, like as bad yeah. as I've seen it. Yeah. No, that's that's one one like the one drawback about that area up there is the wind. And I don't know if it's unit wide. I don't think it is. I think it's just kind of the way these canyons are oriented and the ridge lines and the you know the prevailing winds coming in over the top of the ridges and and uh but it makes for some fickle winds and you end up typically with a hour to hour and a half at first light where you have those steady down thermals and then you know if you can get yourself on a western facing slope in the evening where the sun's you know the setting sun is hitting it and warming it up uh, it worked really well for us last year. Didn't work out quite as well this year. Um, thought we had it rigged uh, later that day, but it kind of it fell apart. But when we split off, um, when Levi and I split off from you guys and went after that bear, um, you know, bears are stalking bears is almost futile if you can't keep them in sight pretty much the whole time that you're stalking them because we dropped down the bottom of the canyon and up the other side and. Um, they were only maybe a third, that bear was only a third or, or so of the way up the other side, but super steep getting up there. And then there's tons of uh, the, that beetle kill blowdown. So we got up, you know, pretty close, maybe 75 yards or so from where we figured he had been. And uh, we were both, you know, standing on top of beetle kill deadfall that were at an angle, you know, going down the hill. And it, it had rained the night before. That's what we forgot to mention is right when we got into camp, um the uh the day that we hiked in it maybe half hour we had just gotten our shelter set up and it started raining and then rained pretty well throughout the night and uh so everything was wet the next morning so i'm standing up on top of this log that's going down at a sl- you know pretty good <laughs> angle and uh levi climbs up on the one that i just stepped off of and Levi's feet go out from underneath him and he lands whoop like this. And I was like, are you all right? And then both my feet went out from underneath <laughs> me and I landed ribs on the, you know, on the log I was standing on and uh-huh. hanging upside down. And we were both laughing. It was like, okay, that bear hunt is pretty much over now. <laughs> I was watching the bear that when you fell must've been when he went up and left. Cause I was trying to find you and I'm like, I can't, well, we all were. I was like, you guys see South? And then you went back to your pack, and that's when uh, we talked with Mitchell to, hey, let's, you guys go on that other side, right. we'll go on, on this side. And we were trying to find that. We passed an elk on the left on the way in, and we were trying to circle and find that bull, which we found his brother, the bighorn sheep. We never found the, the, the actual bull. But it's amazing what they can hide in back yeah. there. That, yeah. that is a fact. 
Yeah, there, there's in some areas and there's not a lot of cover and uh, and yet they still seem to be able to disappear. Um, I had my eye on a bedding area that um, I've been in that canyon a couple times now and both times I've been in there, uh, I've gotten into bulls um, or a bull at least on this um, kind of flat spot about halfway up the ridge on the opposite side that you climbed up. And so I was planning on um, heading up there and then, um, you know, kind of stopping short of there, wait until the thermals, you know, hopefully uh, um, stabilized and started going uphill. So I think we waited till like one, one or two o'clock, something like that. So we took a nap, you know, got something to drink, refilled our water there to spring and, and, uh, went up there and the, unfortunately this time the bedding area was empty but last year there was a really cool uh bull with about a 14 inch drop tine um that was in there and i was hoping that you know he would be back or brethren of one sort or another would be back in there but it just wasn't to be this year <clears throat> yeah well on that first uh day you you got into quite a bit of action on that yeah first day though yeah we uh later so what we did is we continued to circle around um that uh kind of walk out uh, towards the bottom of the basin but climbing in elevation and then peeked over the on the back side so about four o'clock in the afternoon we got on the back side of the ridge on that western face that that sun was hitting it and we had really good thermals there in the beginning um, and that's where I killed my bull last year on that, uh, YouTube video, the burn there. Um, and it was just pandemonium in there last year. And there was, I think there was three or four bulls that were bugling on that backside when we popped over the top. So we thought we were in pretty good shape and we, we made a move on the highest bull. And then as, um, we were working our way over to him, it probably took maybe 45 minutes to get over there. Then that wind started getting a little shifty and pretty started bumping elk that, um, you know, that were below us there and, and, uh, didn't take long and we'd cleared that whole hillside. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we didn't, like I said, we really didn't get into elk until the, the evening we dropped down and. You'd bugled. We had a reply right below us on the valley floor where, yeah. where we walked in. Uh, Mike hit the bugle again, and I saw a bull chasing a cow across that flat. And so Mike and I are like, okay, let's – and this is like, what, an hour left of daylight. Yeah, there wasn't much time left. Yeah, we'd already put a lot of miles on the, the ground, and we get down there, and the wind is not great, and we think, okay. And I'm like, Mike, let's just keep calling. Um, I'm going to go up and try to stalk him. What did I make it? Fifty yards, and the wind changed, and I'm like, yeah. "Piss on it, dude!" We turned around; it just taunted us, screaming over and over and over. And then we went down a little more; another one started screaming. And finally, I'm like, "Dude, fuck it! Like, let's just go back to camp. I don't want to blow them out tonight." Um, got back to camp and whatever, hung out, you know, and shot shit, whatever. And so day two ended up being quite a bit more exciting than day one. Although I think you had way more action. You hiked to the edge of the earth on day two because we killed day three. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so day two, I'll let you, day two was extremely strange for me because we ran into a hiker in one of the most ugliest places that a hiker could ever go at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> was that shrieking the elk you speak of? Anyway, but um, <laughs> but go, go ahead. Your day two sounded pretty crazy because we, we copied your day two on day three and followed you, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so day two, um, 
So this this area that we're hunting now is kind of like on the outer edge of where I'd hunted the first couple years um, that I had uh, hunted this unit, and there was further, you know, more basins, additional basins and canyons and stuff that I had wanted to explore. Um, I've got that bad case of what's over the next ridge and always wanting to see, you know, what's over there. And uh, so I was pretty excited on day two about exploring some new country. And we took off on um, day two and went further um, back in and we were about halfway back to where I wanted to get, and it was just starting to crack light, and we heard a bull bugling on the um, kind of on the ridge up to the left of us, and so we started kind of working our way in that direction. And as it worked out, that bull dropped down toward us, and so we bumped into him coming up over a little rise, and um, I saw antlers at I don't know like twenty five yards or something, and. Uh, immediately we, we bumped him and he started running and, and, uh, Mitchell got out cow call and started blowing on it there. And it was probably a, I'd say he's probably a 280 class six point, which was, you know, this unit is, um, it's a, it's a draw unit. We had gotten vouchers for it. Um, but it's not really a trophy unit per se. It's, it's a lot of bull unit. So a lot of bulls unit. So if you see something in that 280 to 300 class, it's probably a good idea that you, start shooting or and, 250 yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry go ahead. target rich environment yeah target rich environment well said frank and uh it, which is the kind of unit that a guy with a stick bow needs because you, you need lots of opportunities as sometimes they well oftentimes it doesn't come together um as will be documented as this uh, story goes on here. <laughs> so that uh, Mitchell called that bull, turned him right back around again. And I had him come in to like 27 yards. And um, he was, I, I don't know, it'd be interesting to, to roll the video and see how long he was in range at that distance. But it was, it seemed like probably close to five minutes. And I just could not get a shot at him. There was some deadfall. Um, beetle kill right in front of me and the branches were still sticking up and I kept like looking through for holes for him to you know offer me a, a shot where I could snake an arrow through there but he was for starters he was you know facing either dead on to me or quartering towards me and a couple of times he would like turn to leave and then I think I'd be able to get a, a shot through a hole there and and then it would the opportunity to evaporate or he'd stop and, and it'd just be the wrong angle or something and finally he got tired of us and so he um turned and left and walked down the the hill and uh there was like a, a wallow down there and he, he stayed at that wallow for a couple minutes and then um mitchell was able to sweet talk him back and he came back in and he ended up at 32 yards but quartering into me and uh the you know levi's got some pretty good we were separated by a few yards and and i wasn't like over the shoulder from Levi's perspective, but I think it was one of those where Levi, you know, it looks like I should be shooting because of the the angle he's got, but I I couldn't because of obstruction. And then finally, the bull turns to leave, takes a um, a few steps, and and uh, Mitchell cow calls, and I have you know basically his front shoulder sticking out from behind a tree, and then the the tree covering the rest of his vitals, so I had no shot again. And uh, the bull leaves, goes across the creek onto the other side of the canyon, and then Mitchell called him back in again. And uh, he, we, he never got within range on that third um, on that third time. 
but he got to, I don't know, probably 75 yards before he just decided something fishy about this. I should be able to see because we were, I mean, it was ridiculous. I was standing um, next to a tree, you know, and Mitt and uh, Levi was on the other side of the tree, no cover around us whatsoever. We're all in, you know, blowdowns and stuff. And uh, Mitchell was kneeling down in a bunch of blowdowns. And there, any, you know, any elk should have been able to easily see another elk. And yet this guy was just did not want to leave because of all those cow calls. Um, and the whole, thing lasted probably half an hour that we were playing with this bull and then finally he left so we started uh we um resumed hiking further up um towards the the back kind of canyons and basins that i wanted to check out and we went maybe another mile or something and then uh it, it was getting to be probably nine o'clock in the morning by now and um we hadn't heard a bugle in a little while uh which is somewhat uncommon for back there and i would uh you know i decided let's get out of the bottom of this canyon next to the creek and get up um on this next bench so we can hear a little bit better and it was probably you know a 50 yard almost straight up climb so we climbed up onto the bench there and we're sitting there sucking wind and and trying to recover and then all of a sudden we hear a bugle you know 200 yards 300 yards up the ridge above us so we um Beat foot up the uh, up the hill there, and uh, made it to within probably seventy five yards of where we had heard that the bull bugle. There was actually a couple of them, and uh, all of a sudden we see a bull, and he looked like he's maybe a small five, and uh, we bumped him, and Mitchell started cow calling, and we were still trying to work towards that bigger bull that we had heard, which was kind of at an angle up from where we had just seen this um, the smaller bull that we bumped. And then all of a sudden we hear branches break and it's like, oh, he's coming back down. But it turned it out to be that larger bull was coming in um, and he came right down to me and turned broadside. And uh, he was, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, <laughs> he was probably 22, 23 yards and uh, I, came back to full draw and then realized I had some vines that were covering his chest. And, uh, um, and so I had to lean further out to get my shot. So I lean out and then I'm like, man, how far is he? How far? And I'd been kind of psyched out from stump shooting and everything seemed like it was closer than it was. So I decided I'm going to shoot him from my point on, which is like 34 yards. And I, uh, so I cut my shot and I cut air about two inches above his back, but it was, I wasn't too bummed. He's a big five, um, but it wasn't like, you know, one of those giant five points, but man, what a body size on those bulls back there just have huge bodies on them. Did he zip right out of there when you missed? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. He hauled ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was over. Levi turns to me. He's all, I wasn't sure if you're going to shoot. And I was just laughing because it was like, what a comical encounter. You know, it was one of those that uh, it was not necessarily maybe the bull that I was after when I went in. But, you know, when you get served up like that broadside at you know just over 20 yards, it's a shot that I'm not going to pass up for sure. We took off and went further up the ridge, and then there was, had been another bull that was bugling further down the ridge to our right up canyon. And so we we uh, headed in that direction and went probably another, I don't know, um, 300 yards, say, and uh, ended up 
where we got right to the edge of this, like this uh, creek drainage that just dropped straight down um, and then uh, straight back up the other side. And it's maybe 75 yards across or so. And there was another bull um, across this ditch that was bugling. And then Mitchell spotted a really nice bull. He's probably in that 330 range maybe and ended up being a herd bull with a bunch of cows. And, uh, but he was across the ditch on the other side. So, and we would have been totally exposed dropping down. So we had to cut up on our side and head up, you know, the ridge, um, up the hill <clears throat> to, uh, you know, kind of parallel where this bull was going and try to head him off. And we ended up bumping into three more bulls on our side. One that I just flat you know, ran right into just about literally. And he was, you know, took off running and and then i uh, about i don't know 30 or 40 yards later we bumped into another one um and i kept hearing from those guys south slow down south slow down <laughs> i was just ch full charge you know trying to get at these these bulls and kept uh, i i blundered into several throughout the trip there <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah it was uh and then we end up calling one in um further up the ridge and i think it was a five if i remember correctly and he came in to, i don't know maybe 50 yards or something and then he may have had some cows with him because he didn't stick around he ended up leaving on his own accord which i a little bit puzzling there these calling these elk it's kind of interesting it's a really high bull to cow ratio i don't want to talk about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're weird they are they're super like finicky because you get a uh you know a bull even by himself and sometimes they'll respond to cow calls sometimes they won't sometimes they'll just turn tail and haul ass and then if a bull generally speaking in there if a bull does have any cows he's he he may sit there and bugle his head off and you can use it to locate but he oftentimes won't come in because he's afraid of getting whipped and getting his cows taken unless you just mm -hmm. shot a bull then they seem to run right in right yeah. and then they realize <laughs> they realize all they is safe <laughs> yeah so we uh we we tried to get onto that herd bull we got down you know within maybe 100 yards of them started cow calling and that bull gathered up his cows and split and uh that was the last action that we ever saw of that herd bull i don't know where he went but he went someplace that was uh you know far away from us so we um we crossed that ditch um that i was talking about actually no we stopped shy of that ditch and then uh, i took a nap trying to let those thermals stabilize and we uh then got on to i don't know about noon we crossed the ditch went across on that other hillside there and we're just kind of trying to figure out the wind there and uh we ended up getting on to, I don't know, I think there's three bulls on that hillside that we are on um, that were bedded and bugling, you know, from their beds. And so we ended up um, by two o'clock or so, we got uh, a little dropped a little bit lower in elevation down closer to where the bulls were. Uh, we ended up calling in a small five. And I mean, he came in, dude, like on a string in within. I don't know, maybe 30 seconds from when he first answered, he had closed probably 200 yards. And I was, there was like a little strip of trees and I was on the right side of the strip of trees. Um, 
Levi was like in the kind of in the middle of the strip of trees and Mitchell was above us kind of in the strip of trees. And I, I was standing on the right when I first spotted him and I wasn't sure if, if when the bull came up and got to that strip, whether he's going to go right or left. And so I waited and I saw, okay, he's going to the left side. So I had to take a step around this big tree and I'm not kidding you. I, mean, I thought I had, I thought I figured I'd have a minute or so. And I, it, like in five seconds, I was halfway across, around the tree and that bull was already, you know, in range. And uh, he, so I got caught kind of mid step and out of position. And it wasn't a bull I wanted to shoot anyway. It was a young bull, but he came in and hung out you know, sub 35 yards between that 30 and 35 yard range for several minutes. And then another bull came in with some cows, um, came into the call and uh, that little guy got spooked and he left. And at first I didn't realize that the second bull had come in. Um, and so it took me a minute to, to locate him. I actually saw his cow first, Levi's like, there's a cow right down there. And then uh, the bull was actually in range. I didn't see him until he kind of backed down the hill a little bit and started raking his horns. And uh, um, I, I probably should have charged forward on him, but I was concerned that that cow was going to see me. So I kind of held still there. And finally, that, um, that big bull just kind of wandered off there. I never did get a look at him, but I think it was a, a decent six. And uh, so we, um, after that, I missed a grouse, lost an arrow. And I think that, I'm trying to remember, I think that might have kind of rounded out our day as far as elk action. Um, I mean, there are still bugles going on. I mean, it was one of those magical scenes of paradise. We figured that we, uh, that we either saw or heard, um, you know, it could identify probably 15 different bulls that that day and then on our hike out we ran into i don't remember if it was four or five other bulls right at dark that had come down um off the ridge and were down in the bottom and our unfortunately our wind was blowing just whipping right to them but there was a, a herd bull with a bunch of cows and a couple satellites and uh we saw all the bulls that we saw that evening, you know, after kind of, or at dark that we never got even close to range, um, except for one, um, was, uh, they were all, you know, I figure probably over 290, maybe 300. And there was one of them that was in that probably 320 plus range. And that one we got actually got closest to, he was kind of walking away from us and it was dark enough that you had to use your binoculars to be able to see. And he was only like 60 yards away. He came up over a little rise and he was, he had just been, you know, raking his antlers in the grass and, and I uh, had lifted up, was walking straight away from us for probably 10 seconds before the wind got him. And, uh, oh, it was a tremendous bull. It was, it was like, man, I, I hope I can get on him tomorrow. Um, made it back to camp and, and, uh, then caught up with you guys there. That was, uh, our day two. And it seems like we were in there a lot more than three days. Dude, I know. I, <laughs> That's you know, uh, and I was just thinking as we were recording here, and I'm and I was thinking about what day it is, and we were supposed to conceivably could have still been out there, and we've been home for, for almost three a more week. days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's wild. If, if we, you know, could have refrained from we shooting elk. Probably <laughs> should have held out looking back. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, well, no, I, it's funny because I'm heading to a, another 
a hunt to go hunt elk and, and antelope. And uh, I forgot what day it was because I'm like, man, I got to get down there. And I'm like, then I'm supposed to still be elk hunting. I'm good, right. you know. But um, day day two, hey, we'll go ahead. You started off, Mike. Well, I we, think I think the days were so long because you were there was constant action, so you're constantly and a lot coming up with a plan in your head. Like I'm used to. You got a couple hours in the morning where they're bugling and you're coming up with plans and then you're making a play and then you're napping somewhere right. and waiting for them to get back on their feet. But up there, you're con- you're just going all day long because they are going all day. And it's weird because very rarely is it a good idea. Not a, when it when it's windy, that wind is bad. But I mean, it's almost like there's times you and I sat there for waiting for the wind to shift for three hours with elk bugling all around us. But it's stupid yeah. to go after <clears throat> them because eventually the wind will hopefully... Right you know strip mellow out but but no go go ahead because we took off um up a spot you hadn't been all the way up there but you said hey there's a trail i've seen on the map right well the the funny thing was was like we were we left camp and we had plans of all of us heading back into where i went that day and then i we, I mean, it was, we left camp, we got, we got up at four or something. We left camp at, I think, 445. That was well before first light. First light's about 630. And uh, we had only went maybe a mile and then we heard an elk bugle and we stopped. And, uh, and I think you guys are, you know, obviously having never been in this unit except for a day, um, are used to the public land where you hear a bugle and, and, uh, so we stop and and uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron's all, exactly. well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? And Mike's like, I don't pass up bulls. <laughs> yeah, if I hear a bull bugling, let's uh, let's go for him. So yeah, that's what we did. Which I'm in that case, the day before, I wish we would have went with you on day two. I'm glad we split up mostly because even if I never go back in there with you, we got to go in that basin. Yeah, and that. It, it's it's good. And you guys <laughs> didn't even make it all the way to the top, right? No. No. No, we didn't. And we made it probably three quarters of the, well, three quarters halfway up. And then we got on. There was two different bulls, well, three different bulls screaming. Four. Um, four different yeah. bulls. I can't, it's hard to keep count up there. Yeah. But it um, looks like the end of the basin we killed ours in. Uh-huh. It, op- it opened. Okay. Like mm-hmm. All right. But there was bulls screaming. We started, we got close enough to set up on one, started cow calling them in. And he probably came into a hundred and I don't know what he did. He just, he went quiet. But as we were calling him in from the right side of the drainage on the left side, there was two bulls about three quarters of the way up side hill and coming in, but they wouldn't. The weird thing out there is those bulls don't like to change elevation. If they're not, or everyone we were, we encountered, they didn't like to change elevation. They wouldn't come back. They wouldn't come down. Mm-hmm. They would. Once we got on their elevation, they came in on a string. But if you weren't on their elevation, they would come to, they would get parallel with you, but they wouldn't drop that elevation for huh. some reason. Yeah. So, yeah, we well, were, and we were a ways. I mean, we climbed, the first one was coming. It was weird. Like coming in on a string, Mike didn't change his calling. It was fairly moderate. I thought we were going to kill that one. Like, and we weren't, we hadn't left you that long. Yeah. And he was growling. In fact, well, we were in it. I forgot how many elk we got into that day because we got into we walked into elk, but it, it, seventy yards, you know. Uh, anyway, and that was weird because he cow called and they ran away, like uh, yeah. nothing crazy, like meow, and they're like, uh-huh. and yeah, no, not today. And it was like just a mew, right? But right. anyway, that one was coming, and I'm looking, my you're probably sixty yards behind me, and I'm like, this thing's gonna drop right in my lap. Stood above us at hundred yards, bugled for 
a while and then left. <laughs> and, they can be so frustrating up there, just yeah. trying to like psychologically figure them out. Well, <clears throat> one of the weirdest things, and I wasn't, I don't get mad very often hunting and I wasn't mad, but my cow called, this is totally different time, but you, you had cow called and you couldn't see the bull. Bull's coming in, running on a string. Mike rakes a tree in the ground with his foot, stops, turns around, walks off. And, and I'm like, and I can't, you can't be mad at Mike because he didn't, uh, same thing I would have done, like just make a little noise, but don't yeah. call, sound like an elk. And you didn't beat the shit out of anything. You uh, literally just, just breaking some just branches, rub the ground like, oh, yep, there's yeah. elk here. He is literally running and it's like a 300 inch bull. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's coming. <laughs> Mike rubs a tree, turns around, walks off. And I'm like, yeah, Mike, you're not going to believe this. And Mike's like, fuck. Yeah. I was pissed. <laughs> and I was I'm like, like, God damn it. Cause that was that was day three. We're getting ahead yeah, of ourselves. Yeah, but but that, you just smoked that bull, and I was like, "All right, well, we're going to get it done." And then, yeah, yeah. Well, and that was, was just, elk are crazy. I brought that up the finickiness. Yeah, most elk like when when in doubt, just make a little noise so they just know enough of where you are, but they're not intimidated by calling. He didn't know it was running at us. Yeah, because we hadn't had anything run at us like right. that. It was a good bull, and literally, I look back, I'm like, "You're not going to believe this shit." It was coming in on a string. The moment you rubbed that tree, it ran off. And he, you could tell he was all butt hurt. But um, I was, I was butt hurt, which I will say, that's why I like to keep my shooter in sight because I could tell by your body. I'll watch your body language and be like, all right, even if I can't see the right. animal coming, if I see Snyder starting to tense up and, and get yep. his, then I know, I know the animal's coming in. But in that case, there, it was kind of wide open where we were. And I had a small group of pine trees that I could hop behind a call from and, and hopefully have that bull come to within range of Aaron and, and to where he would be in range where he would stop and be like, all right, where's that cow I just fed? Yeah. And um, so that was just one of those not ideal setups, but it would have worked had I not done what I think it was uh, right. like you guys are saying it didn't, the, it didn't want to fight. Possibly. I have no idea because the first elk he called in, he didn't do it's just different. I don't, I don't know how to explain it because I've hunted in a lot of areas that have high populations of elk where you don't bugle. What, one of the areas that, that we've hunted, bull to cow ratio is 67%. You just don't bugle very often. Um, you know, that whole sneak into 80 and bugle, the bull's like, yeah, fuck you. I want my cows uh -huh. and these. That's kind of how this is. Yeah. But there's other times where you would just, yeah. And they'd be like, mm, no, I didn't like that. And just wait another time they come in. But anyway. It's not for me. Day two, we make this, that god-awful climb to the backside of where you went on day one. Yeah. That valley's on that. Right. We get the <clears throat> same parallel. Wind is perfect. And there's like a gorge, a mini gorge, like as wide as this room. And I go to where I probably should have stayed, but I'm like, he's not going to try and cross this gorge. I went, what, 15 yards up comes screaming running in from probably 200 yards out yeah away we hadn't seen that yet but we were on the same plane and he's about like the bull you shot or maybe, maybe a little bit bigger but about that kind of caliber bull no he actually we got video he wasn't maybe a little bit like the one you shot last year probably okay yeah he's a good bull he's just coming and i'm like oh and mike's you know he's and he's coming and he drops right where i should have been 15 yards below and i'm like how the hell is he even going to cross that thing Gets to 50 yards uh, down from me. Now, Mike, Mike didn't know how close. You couldn't see him. He could, Mike couldn't see exactly how close he got. Even if he came to where he shouldn't have been, it would have been a 24-yard shot. Um, and if he would have went where I thought he was going to go, it would have been a four-yard shot. He gets to 50, and I don't know if he caught a tail of my wind. I don't think he did because he just locks up, 
doesn't look like it. he didn't see him. He didn't look at me and just circles all the way above us for no reason whatsoever. Never got a shot at him. And when I say above us, 100 yards, 75 yards, just the whole, th- basically was just looking. Like we were calling, he'd look, he'd bugle, but he, he didn't come in. And he, he walked up the, I forgot how interesting day two was, walked up the ridge. So Mike and I climbed to that saddle. Uh, <clears throat> thinking there's going to be bullet. Yeah, there's nothing on the other side. So we get on that saddle. We're just waiting for the wind to get right. And uh, Were you looking over the left side or the right side as you're standing at the mouth of the canyon? Um, we were looking over the left side. Okay. So we climbed up the back of that saddle yep. where we watched all those bulls run over the, right. the first day. Yep. We climbed up the back the side of that gotcha. saddle. And then um, we got up there and just kind of hung out on that front side because that's the side that was the, the sun was hitting. Right. So I figured the thermals would at least carry our... Yep. Are setting up and out. I got bored, so I'm like, Mike, I'm just going to take my bow and a bugle and go to the peak, which yep. had three false summits inside. Right. Right. So <laughs> I get to the top and I'm like, I as well chuck out a bugle. You couldn't hear it because of how far I went. The wor- the earth erupted. Yeah. I was like, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to get them located. And I, I'd cow call bugle. They're firing back, and I came back. I'm like, we got to go down. They're down. Like, they're, they're way down. And one was on the fucking valley floor. And I get to our camp, and there's a note, bugle fell out of pack in grass, going back to get it and grab water. And I'm like, no, because now he's climbing back up to go back down. So uh-huh. I'm gathering everything up. I throw his pack over the top of mine, and I see when I get down Mike's little ass running up, trying to get to me. Uh-huh. I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, there's elk everywhere in this valley. Like. We couldn't, because of the ridges, right. there was two ridges we couldn't see, basically. I mean, that were blocking us. Yep. And one's on the, that happened to us twice. We climbed to the top, all the elk went to the bottom, screaming on the valley floor. So I'm like, dude, Mike, there's elk everywhere down there. And one is just, you know, some of those bulls growl. Yep. He just, that's all he did. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit. So <laughs> we climbed down, I don't know how, what, what is that? 1500 vertical feet probably yeah. Yeah. yeah canyons deceptively deep yeah yeah i remember Wait, as yeah. i went up but right. <laughs> <laughs> we side hilled it and we had one bugling above us and i think you're right he probably he came off the, the spine coming down um and we looped around you started calling trying to hook, get him to hook yeah and we walked into elk there was a five point a spike and a cow weird group and you cow that's when you cow called and they just were like, uh, eh, no, and just walked off. Yeah, they didn't yeah. run. They didn't yell. They didn't. They just were like, eh, eh, I don't like that, and walked off. And it wasn't like it was a crazy call. It was just cow call. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the misfit group. That bullet got his ass kicked. That cow was dry, but it was just you know whatever they they left. And then we got down, and there was multiple bu- bulls bugling yeah. above us. Um, and the wind wasn't horrible. Um. Oh, that was, it was blowing hard, actually. That was the day we had hard wind. So we go up. You spotted a spike bedded. Mm-hmm. We had bulls bugling, and we're like, okay, we're coming back up here in the morning. It's getting late. Mike goes to call. I think you took a crap, too, or did I? Yeah, I, I think we both did. Yeah. Time. Turn around, and there's a fucking hiker at the end of this basin in this burn. No lake back there. Yeah. He's like, hey. And I'm like, hey. What's up? <laughs> Where did and, you mean, drop in from? Yeah, yeah, it was like the <laughs> most odd spot. And you were like, hey, man, what's going on? And 
you, you're, they were like, he's like, you having any luck? And, and I was like, or you said something about me. Yeah, there's, there's elk in here. And he's like, is that the animal making the shrieking noise? <laughs> and he's there was one that bugled by him. I think that first one we called in that morning on the way up. He was uh, still in that, that draw. So that immediately changed our plans because he's going to scent up the whole where yeah. we were going to go. Well, and as he, it started to go quiet there too. And we're like, what the hell? What's like the sun's going down and they, they should be getting fired back up. And then we start walking down the trail and then there's a hiker. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense now. And in, in, in that area there, it's a little more condensed than the one we killed our bulls in, but there's more timber. Uh-huh. Um, uh, both on the side hill and the valley. Floor. More green timber? More green. Yeah. Okay. yeah, a lot more. Like, I would go, that would be one of the first places I'd go back huh. to. Because nobody's going back in yeah. that hole, right? Was uh, the wind as um, bad in that canyon as it was in the the first the one we hunted the first day? It wasn't as bad. No, no it stayed. It, it kind of, that day, I don't know if that's because of the prevailing wind in that canyon was facing the right direction, but that wind uh-huh. kind of stayed in our face blowing down the canyon. Oh, so nice. Did, the I, same did you guys use any uh, decoys? He did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah How was it? Did it they, was it effective? I, I would have killed. I'm almost certain that the bull that I had talked about, that 280 bull, that was, you know, we worked for like 30 minutes. I'm sh- almost sure we would have killed that bull if we would have had the decoy that morning. But when it rained in camp that night, I put the decoy underneath the uh, llama panniers. And then, so we left camp in the morning, totally forgot about it. And, and I, uh, my decoy's in my truck under my seat. Good and place for mics. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I, cause I <laughs> plan on having a heads up for, yeah. you know, just you yeah. talking about it and, um, or not a heads up, excuse me, ultimate predator decoy, the one you can shoot through at least very to hold it up. But I would say three of those bulls you called, we would have killed with a decoy. Oh yeah. Cause they're cause looking. They yeah. They, and it's so, because it's kind of burnt, it's pretty open. So I think. Uh, and those those animals are not pressured yeah so they i think if they see a decoy they're kind yeah. of yeah. i i killed a um a bull the first time i went in there which the decoy key on and then the bull that i killed this year i feel like the decoy was key for as well i mean i, I um like both of the two bulls this one I shot this year, shot super close, and the one the first year, super close. And it was one of those where they walked right past me, and I'm swinging on them as they walked past me. And I think that they were so tunnel vision yep. focused on the decoy that they you know, didn't pay attention to the movement there. Yeah. They, yeah, and I, I will say, as we're talking about all this, the one thing I guess I would mention in the spot that we were at is um, as many elk as we're talking about, it's a, it, I mean, I, I get, I already know your opinion. It would crush most people. People aren't used to that many yeah. miles. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a gimme. Yeah. Um, it's a gimme. You're going to hear elk, but your yeah. ass is going to work put in the work. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It was worse than the mule deer hunt. Or as <laughs> yeah. bad. I yeah. mean, we, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not, not going to get back to where we were on foot. Like you're not, you're not going to backpack hunt elk out there. You're, you will die. Yeah. yeah. I mean, where that hiker was the from the, you know, assuming that that hiker came from the same direction that we did from the nearest public trailhead to where that hiker was up that canyon is 11 plus miles. Yeah. yeah. Get back in there. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're running light. I mean, they're not carrying hunting gear. They're right. running lightweight. The guy had, uh, I'd looked at Aaron. I'm like, that guy's either hard as woodpecker lips or stupid. Cause he's got, he had one A of those thermo No, the thermorest Z light sleeping uh-huh. pad. And I'm like, oh, he was just, I haven't slept on one of those oh, in years. Cause they're terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a bivy 
2,800 yeah. cubic inch pack or smaller. It looked know, like a checkpoint on it. Packer. It was basically a checkpoint on his back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. we, we saw two uh, when we were sh- shuttling. Uh, no, that's when we were on our way in when we yeah. ran across those two guys that were hiking the CDT that were, uh, you know, were come down into town to load up on food and were hiking back to the Continental Divide Trail. Yep. Yeah. Yep, they were still quite a ways from it. but Yeah, it's a long ways in. But we um, come, you know, coming out, um, trying to think, actually, we ended up here and we got to camp and I think we filled up water for you guys, maybe. Not yeah. the cleanest water in the world. No, it's um, muddy. It might have been tinted. Um, and we're waiting on you because I'm like, do we need to go back in and help you? Because we had no communication and... We heard elk bugling. Well, by camp. we actually had communication. <laughs> but <laughs> I uh, I packed in two walkie-talkies so we could do like noon check-in. If we missed noon, we'd try it again at two. We did our part. Yeah, well, <laughs> dumbass here who set up the whole thing. I I kept looking. It's like, oh shoot, it's twelve thirty. We missed our our window, and then it's like, oh, it's two forty. Missed it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally irresponsible. I think we would have been out of range though. Yeah, I think well, we would have. What's too. hilarious is on day. I won't tell the day three story yet because we went from um, from heading up to help South to multiple bulls bugling. Of uh, we'll find South later. Right. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we come out and then um, the we had elk bugling by camp, and so then we see you coming, trying to figure out just from your headlamp is he waddling? But I, you know, people waddle with heavy weight. You come in and you had your story of the great day, yeah. And then you're talking about how many bulls you had passed coming down, right, right. Um, and so the next day, I'm like, literally laying in my tent, like no matter what fucking happens, do not split off from south until we get at least halfway up. Uh, up the canyon yeah and which we made it about halfway the next but we got up at the ass crack of dawn the yeah. next day so go go ahead on the day three we'll just say day seven because it sounds better day seven <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that next morning we um we got up uh you know super early again we actually got all the way up to the um the bottom of the canyon the basin that we got into them um, on day two, they were kind of starting, you know, where we had finished on uh, day two. We were, we dropped split off a mile before that, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yep. About right. like that. Right, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and you guys peeled off up the the ridge there, and then uh, we I, kept going. I don't want to talk about <clears throat> that. What happened? But I will later. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, it had uh, temperatures had dropped, and there was frost and or ice. In fact, the some of the um, some of the creeks had kind of, you know, in the, in the water that wasn't running as fast had froze um, up higher there. And uh, we got up to the bottom of the, this canyon there and, or, or this basin, and, and uh, we were waiting for it to get light. And the moon, <clears throat> we hadn't spoken about the moon phase yet, um, but it was super bright. I mean, it was like ridiculously bright where we were, when we were walking up the, uh, the trail, heading um heading up um and it was you know dark yet the moon was out so bright but we were walking into the setting moon and it was like walking into oncoming traffic with their high beams on i mean it was ridiculous i was literally had my hand up shielding my eyes from the moonlight so that i could see without tripping as i was walking it was that bright 
Um, so I think the elk had been up pretty much partying all night, and I, uh, I don't remember hearing a bugle all the way back up in there. And we got up to the the bottom of this basin and stopped, and at six, you know, just like six thirty in the morning, just getting light, and I. Uh, we're sitting here trying to, you know, stay warm. Our hands are freezing and and uh, nothing, just no bugles whatsoever. And so this is like, I don't know, we stood there in that basin for probably the bottom of that basin for 15 or 20 minutes. And uh, we're, you know, standing around stomping our feet and rubbing our fingers and trying to keep them warm. And, and then Mitchell spots a nice six-point bull that crossed through the bottom Um Oh, I don't know, probably 150, 200 yards from us. And uh, so it was like all of a sudden the mad scramble and we were running back to get our packs and get our packs on and and I uh, took off after him. And he had crossed and started climbing up the other side and he was now starting to, to bugle. And we um, tried cow calling to him a couple of times. And every time we cow call, he'd be further up the ridge that we decided to go after him. And then once he started bugling, then another one on the same side hill bugled. And then they started sounding off on the other side of the canyon. Of course, you know, once we were maybe a third of the way up the ridge there, and then it was like they were slowly starting to wake up. And, and there may have been, you know, by mid-morning, well, it wasn't mid-morning, but it was now by, say, 7.30 in the morning, there's probably five or six bulls that are bugling um in you know on both sides of the canyon kind of combined but we went up uh we ended up climbing a third or so maybe a little bit more than a third of the way up the ridge on uh on the opposite side that we had been hunting the day before and the timber's a little bit more sparse on this side we got um we got the bull kind of pinpointed where he was and so we snuck in and I uh, got to 75 yards maybe. And then Mitchell um, set up and uh, to get ready to cow call, I moved closer towards the bull and a little bit uphill. And there was kind of a, a trail that Mitchell was standing on that looked like it went up basically right to where the bull was. So we were more or less set up for a call-in situation. And Mitchell cow called couple times and that bull just got up and you know walked out of our life more or less so we uh we snuck up there to where he was and he wasn't there anymore and uh then we decided heck with it let's drop down um and uh go after those other bulls and they were um they were bugling more consistently towards the head of the canyon so it's one of those things you kind of get after a bit you hear so many bugles up there i mean being used to hunting public land where you might hear a couple in a week, you know, and then as soon as you hear one, you're going after it, no question. And we're sitting there laying, laying around, there's five or six bugles going, and we're going like, well, which one do you think we should go for? You know, that one's got a little bit deeper throat. Well, that one's closer. I don't feel like hiking up that ridge. So it was kind of comical, you yeah. know, just the how the, how different it is the contrast never in my life have i and i i thought the same thing like this is this is some of the craziest shit ever there's there's bulls bugling everywhere it's to the point where normally aaron and i've talked about it before that the booger the booger bugle where your nose is whistling you're like is uh -huh. that a bugle right out there i'm like is that every time i'm thinking is that a bugle oh yeah it is a bugle. like it, it, i became numb to hearing bugles right because right. it's so insane yeah and it's 
the neat thing you know about it when it's on out there is that it's not like the first 45 minutes of first light and then the last 45 minutes of last light it's like just about all day long it was they were going off I and mean, if they're not you can get them to go right. off yeah yep. yeah with relatively easily i i was again i've mm-hmm. i was telling mike i'm like i've had days like this in good units but not like like consistently and not as many you know right. you'll hit a pocket where they'll scream all day and yep it's just it's different and the thing that not to detour um too much we had some different conversations of um the appearance of of um of instagram um that uh how would i put this um you shoot a raghorn on public land otc you should be pretty fucking proud yep, of that 100%. of that animal i was just reading a guy that was messaged me about a guy was you know walking out and saying he shot a raghorn and kind of come like 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 apologizing over it right um should not be doing that (laughs) no no and and i mean hell i just shot a a step above a raghorn and i'm happier than a pig and i wouldn't have changed that experience for the world mike behind me you below me uh with your elk bull screaming in my face six other elk i had a you know how you're supposed to call a doctor if you take a blue pill and you're hard for longer than four hours? I should have called a doctor on day two because I had a hard on the entire time. Like, it was crazy. I was like, this is awesome. So yeah. I think that people's perception of certain things are blown out of proportion. Some of the animals taken, and there's nothing wrong with this, are twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 tags. The San Carlos is twenty-five to forty grand for a tag for the shitty portion is seventy five hundred plus four hundred bucks a day. So some of the animals, and there is nothing wrong with this. I'm not. I'm not complaining about it, and I'm not um, uh, blasting guys. Some of the bulls that some of these guys killed, and I and I don't mind mentioning it, and I hope they don't mind. But the Jocko and Dudley and Cam and Rogan, those are twenty five to forty thousand dollar tags, or fifteen, or what whatever they are. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it's not the same um, as hunting public land. And I don't. I'm not bitching about it. I just want people to understand when you when you go onto public land OTC areas or public land draw areas, um, be thankful for what you've got. Go in. There. I mean, South, you're you're. I, I've made a post about it. You're in there for the right reasons. You, we've talked about it. You're in there for the for the brotherhood, the camaraderie, the excitement, and the thing that's cool with this area is it's wilderness. It's public land. Uh, it's a draw area. Um, but you get the total package, and I really, I really like that because it's, it's weird with elk hunting. If you don't have some kind of horrible pack out, it's really not an elk hunt, you know? And we, we did get that. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> it's it was, it's yeah. hard not to when you're hunting elk. Yeah. Well, and it's just people have to understand that, um, and, I mean, you can't – not every bull is going to be a 350 bull. You, I mean, and if you're a trophy hunter, I get it, but you got to be realistic to what you're hunting. Um and, 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 and when we're back there, like for me, I'm like, this is, this may never happen again in, in my life. Um, it, it was just that special of an area. Now we were eight to 14 miles in or 12 or whatever it was. And, and I mean, we had to work for it, but that's the cool thing about this hunt is you're in elk and you're getting your ass kicked. So you kind of get the total package. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I mean, for me, um, it's a lot of it is just about the experience and what, 
you know, more so than the size of the antlers. I mean, I can, if you relate this to a mule deer hunt I did uh, last year, which I actually didn't end up not filling my tag on, um, you know, I, I've shot a lot of mule deer over the years, a hell of a lot more than I have elk. And I had a, um, you know, I, I'd like to shoot a, you know, a nice rack. It doesn't have to, I don't have to have a score attached to it, but one that you look at and it's like, oh yeah, that's a nice buck. Well, I had, um, this was early in the hunt. I had a, um, a group of, I think it was eight bucks that I could see. I, I was in a basin on the edge of a basin and they were filing out of this basin and they were going to come around this finger that I was standing on. And I, uh, it was a super steep side hill. So there's like one trail that comes out of this basin. And I happened to pop out on this finger ridge where I was maybe 15 yards directly straight above this, uh, this trail. And it was like a mob of forked horns. And I don't mean like big forked horns. I'm talking milk face forked horns. <laughs> and there was a four, like a really small basket rack four point that was bringing up the rear. And uh, a deer that, you know, if, if I was sitting in a basin glassing, I wouldn't have given him a second look, let alone even thought about making a stalk on him. But the fact that this deer was coming right at me, it was going to be a totally cool, straight down, 15-yard shot. It was like, okay, I'm going to shoot this buck because yeah. it was like it was part of the experience. And for me, more than the size of the antlers, it's the experience. Like I would have remembered that forever, you know. Yeah. So I end up shooting at him, but I caught my my uh, string on my bino harness and shot over the top of them. Well, and I've had, been there. Yeah, I had, uh, I've had people ask me like, "So you got you're not trying to fill your tag? Why are you going in with Aaron and those guys if you've got a tag?" And I'm like, "Well, they're going to a pretty epic place, and and just to be able to experience it, like I killing the animals, irrelevant. You know, if you've got a tag and I'm calling for you, or Aaron's got a tag, or Frank's got a tag, and I'm calling, I'm still part of the process, and and just." Being able to be out there and, and call to those elk and interact with them was right. 100% worth. If I don't fill my over-the-counter tab, oh, well. I yeah. got more than my money's worth out of this season. Yeah, I haven't ran a video camera a whole lot, but the, the times that I have, I've been just as excited filming other guys as I have been you know, when I've been behind the bow mm -hmm. myself. And it's kind of the same thing that you're referencing there. I, you know. I talking to amy about it last night because my, my hands are starting to bug me more and she's like what are you gonna do if you get to where you can't shoot as much and i was like i'll be okay with taking pictures i'd go you know like yeah i would go on that hunt every year and just photograph and, and call it was yeah. that that last day i mean when you shot yours and mike ran into you and i went on it anyway we'll talk about that in a minute you couldn't draw that shit up in a book. Like yeah. you couldn't uh -uh. write that out to be yeah. any more picture perfect. And it was funny because we got to the end of that basin. I'm like, right. I'm, I'm doing, right. you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm pointing like bull, bull, bull. I can see that bull, big bull. And you don't get that very often. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, but anyway, I'll <clears throat> quit talking about shooting shit for the right reasons. What, what happened with the rest of your day? So after we abandoned the bull um, on the, the one side of the basin there and, and committed to going down, you know, across and back up the other side to chase those bulls that were um, bugling more consistently. We uh, got down, you know, through the bottom of the basin, started climbing up the other side, and it turned out there was three bulls that were we were heading in the direction of. And uh, we had decent 
downhill thermals at that point still. It was probably 8.30 in the morning at this point. And we, uh, we got into the timber, started climbing, and these guys, as usual, slow down, slow down, slow down, because <laughs> I'm charging ahead, you know, wanting to get, um, get on these things before they shut up and or the thermal switched. And uh, so we got, um, <clears throat> we got up maybe 100 yards, 75 yards below the lowest bowl. We were actually going for the, the one... The one that sounded the gnarliest, the oldest, the biggest was um, to the left in, in the highest point. And so we started climbing to him and then the thermals shifted a bit. And instead of going just straight downhill, they were now going downhill and then occasionally side hill. So we knew that we couldn't go for that biggest bull because by the time we climbed up towards his elevation, if those thermals continued to go side hill, the two bulls on the right would end up winding us. Horrible problems. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we shifted to the two on the right and uh, we got um, maybe 75 yards below the lowest one, which is sounding off regularly. And uh, we, um, it was a little bit, we were kind of in a little bit of a tucked into a little bit of a, uh, I won't say a draw, but a depression on the side of the hill there. And he was kind of on the, like say on the finger, a little bit of a bump of the finger on the right. And then the other bull was just on that same kind of finger, um, but a little bit higher up, maybe another 50 yards or something. It's a little bit hard to tell, but we, uh, I, I got up, started to climb up with Levi behind me and Mitchell set up the decoy down below us, kind of in the middle of that depression, started climbing up towards the, the highest kind of point there. And I got stuck in some blowdowns where I couldn't really get any further. That bull, the lowest bull, seemed like he was starting to come in. I just saw the tops of the antlers, or Levi did, and he's like, bull, bull, coming in. So we... Uh, I got set up and then that, I don't, I don't know if he saw some movement, maybe caught some wind, but I don't think the wind was carrying uphill enough. I think he just probably caught some movement as I was trying to get into position and he boogered out. Um, luckily he didn't uh, bark or anything and that the bull above him was still sounding off. Meanwhile, the highest bull up, the big, biggest one, um, we could hear him responding to Mitchell's cow calls and he started across you know basically going side hill like you're talking about uh mike there when they like they wouldn't come down but they will come side hill well he came side hill closer to us and then uh he was just you know bugling almost as regular as the the other bull there and i uh, so i was i was now um i had Levi was basically between myself and that biggest bull. And I still figured that that one directly above us, who was closer to us, was going to be the one that we were going to get the action on. And then uh, we were sitting there working that bull for a couple minutes. And then we heard branches starting to break from that bull, the biggest one up higher to the left. And Levi's like, he's coming in. And uh, so I. You did not nail that. You got to work on the, the yeah. OP. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, coming in, y'all. Right? It was so funny because I- got there, he's moving. He's moving. You see him, he's moving. Probably 50% of the time when Levi would talk, I'd be like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just not. Can I get that again in English, please? Right. By the way, Levi is awesome. He's, he's funny. Although, 
I kept call- he looks like Abraham Lincoln, but a ginger. Uh, he probably got tired of me calling him Abe, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> so I basically leapfrogged Levi to get back on the other side of him. So I was between he and the bull. And uh, um, and then fortunately, he stayed put because uh, um, he was then separated from me by maybe seven or eight yards at this point, which would you know gives you from a hunter shooter stand or hunter videographer standpoint ideally you want the hunter and the and the elk in the same frame at the same time well you nailed shot. that one yeah yeah it worked out pretty good <laughs> this years, time two years in a row i keep going when you came down when you came down off that mountain and you showed me i was like you did it again yeah <laughs> like i was so pumped so we uh that, that bull's coming down is kind of the same situation as when that um, four point or the five point the day before was coming up where there was a little bit of a strip of timber and I didn't know whether the bull's going to go left or go right. So I needed to get up high enough in position to be able to, that little depression that, um, that I've been talking about, Levi was now kind of in the bottom of it. And now I'm up on the left side of the depression as opposed to I was on the right side before. So I got up... Um, on the left side where I could see over just in case the bull comes down on the left. And then directly up above me, I had a really big tree um, with a blowdown on the uphill side of the tree. And that tree is kind of blocking my line of sight to that bull coming in. And he's as he's coming down the hill, I can hear branches breaking and popping, and but I can't tell whether he's going left or right. And then it maybe, 40 yards out, it becomes apparent to me that he's going to come to the right. So now I turn, commit, and I'm not going to see this bull until he pops out um, from that tree on the right-hand side. And at that point, he's going to be maybe seven or eight yards from me, maybe 10 at the most. And uh, depending on you know how much uphill he comes, and I figure, okay, he's going to walk out broadside to me and then look down the hill and see that cow, and well, I'm going to be able to whack him. One thing I want to mention while you're talking about this, because I get so many messages of people screwing up, it, it, it is very important to do exactly what you're talking about, assess what is going to happen. Because if you just go plop in front of something, Murphy's Law is a fucking bitch. And you will be drawing into a bush if you don't use your your brain. So talk just a little bit about that, and I'll talk about it on mine a little bit more than you are. When you're assessing when those elk are coming in, what are you looking for as far as where you want to be? Do you want do you want shit in front of you? Do you want shit behind you? Do you want it covering half your body, that type right. of stuff? Because I got probably 150 messages of guys where I'm like, yep, did that when I was younger. Yep. You won't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Ideally, um, in my experience, if you have something that's behind you that kind of breaks up your silhouette and your outline, it's better than having something ahead of you that's going to potentially prevent you from getting a shot. And uh, in this case here, I was standing out like, pardon the expression, like a sore dick. I was, <laughs> I was that nothing around me whatsoever. And, uh, and this is where I'm convinced that that cow decoy. Um, it could be you're the whitest, darkest, whitest ninja. 
Yeah. 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 And uh, in the fact that I don't stand six foot, but I'm real close, (laughs) that probably helps. (laughs) Uh, You can dunk on Mike. I believe I talked about that. I'm like, you like Mike. You're taller than he is. (laughs) That's the only only reason. Yeah. You got me a little bit. I know know how it is to be a short guy. When you get another short guy around, especially if if you're taller than him, you're like, fuck yeah. Now I got somebody to bully. Yeah. (laughs) I can bully this old guy. <laughs> the fact that the soles of my boots were a little thicker is probably what got me there. <laughs> so I was, you know, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to get up. To, uh, again, the situation was I had a, tr- a big tree right up ahead, you know, right up the hill from me, maybe three or four yards up the hill. And I, um, and then I had the, um, I was right near the top of that little, uh, that, kind of topographical feature that formed the left side of this little cut here. And, uh, and then there was a bunch of brush on the other side of the, the ridge, um, the, the little cut that I was on. But I figured if this bull comes down on the left side, it's going to be harder for me to get a shot. So I wanted to make sure I had enough elevation to be able to get a shot. But if I went up too far, then uh, which would have ended up making the bull walk right over the top of me, which he almost did anyway, but it would have been harder for me to get um, to get a shot if he came out on the right. So there's a lot of kind of instantaneous assessment that you have to make um, that if you make the wrong choice without even really knowing exactly how the situation is going to unfold, then uh, then you're going to prevent yourself from getting a shot. And it's one of those things where I think it's just you know, enough years of experience in the field, you kind of make some of these um, judgment calls um, subconsciously, um, you know, some of them consciously, but really all those kind of micro details almost, you're making those subconsciously based on previous experiences and failures and or successes. But um, the big position, you know, the big thing is like, try to position yourself um, in the best spot to have as many possible shot opportunities as, you know, like not that I think, or I know he's going to come out this way, but, um, if he doesn't come out this way, but he comes out on this side, then am I going to be able to have a shot at both potential openings? Cause really it was a flip of the coin on what, you know, which way this bull went and it happened that he went right. And, I. And I was, you know, in a position where I, you know, I thought he was going to come out broadside to me at seven or eight yards. Well, what happened was instead of coming out broadside to me, as soon as he got around that tree, he hooked right, his right, which put him literally walking right over my face. And I, as, as soon as I, um, I heard him coming where I knew he's coming to the right and he was about to come out from behind that tree, I came to full draw. And this is another um, another important thing I, I think that I've learned with the stick bow, um, which are not easy to hold back at full draw for extended periods, is rather than shooting as heavy of a draw weight as you can, it's better to back off a few pounds and have it be comfortable, more comfortable that is, to hold for several seconds or maybe 15 or 20 seconds if you have to. Um, then to try to shoot as much draw weight as you can because you think you need to have, you know, more penetration on a bigger animal. I would rather shoot a few pounds less and be able to hold, you know, as oftentimes those elk come in 
you know, frontal or, or you have to wait for them to turn to get a shot. And that's what happened on this one is that elk turned around that tree. And at this point, he's five yards and close and fast. I and mean, this bull came in on a string and I, uh, I have no shot, no shot, no shot as this bull's making steps towards me. And like I said, I mean, he was head on towards me and I'm thinking, man, I might have to shoot him frontal, which I don't really care to do. Um, and then it's almost like a, the elk recognized this like large, you know, stump that was standing in front of him that he had to detour around and he's not identifying me as a person, but identifying me as an object that he's got to step around. And so as he comes closer towards me, um, maybe at about three yards from me, he veers to the right slightly, um, his right, my left, and then comes around me on the left side. So as he starts walking past me, I start swinging my bow on him. And when he was almost broadside, then I, I uh, you know, I'm focusing on his chest, which is now less than eight feet probably from me and still coming closer. Um, then I, I, I catch movement out of my peripheral vision that he's turning his head to look at me. And so I know at this point that it's going to go down, like he's going to blow at any second now because I'm starting to swing on him. And I... Uh, his left leg goes forward and honestly i don't know if i have the presence of mind to watch that left leg go forward or if it's just the way it all played out but it's interesting to watch um you know in the video leo i sent me a bunch of screen captures and as his left leg goes forward is when i shot and i i mean it was it went from a total pant wetter when i thought i was going to get trampled to you know just complete max rev heartbeat as he swings past me and I shoot and total relief to see the arrow hit him because <laughs> I didn't know exactly what was going to happen there for a few seconds. And then as soon as I shot, man, he came unglued, barreled right down at Mitchell. Mitchell had to, he was filming with his iPhone. So I got two different perspectives and uh, Mitchell bails out of the way and then the elk kind of veers off from almost running him over. Uh, and I saw this huge cloud of dust. I don't know if he hit the ground right there or just when he spun when he saw Mitchell. Um, runs down the hill. I think he hit the ground once because um, there was another big cloud of dust. And then uh, he went over the, the edge of the end of that little um, kind of mini ridge that I was standing on. And then we were just like, oh, but can you believe that? Holy cow. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, I'm just like the, the, the uh, five foot bull from a couple of years before, um, total exhilaration, adrenaline, disbelief, the whole thing. I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, looking back, I thought he was three feet when I shot him. That's my initial, what my initial assessment was. Looking at the uh, still shots from the video camera, it was probably closer to double that. But then, I mean, I'm you know basically looking at my foot placement. But then you got to take into the account that my arm is extended, bows out in front of me, so it could have been you know three or four feet that he was actually from me when I shot. But um, the video from this thing is going to be unreal. That's for sure. I know that. So when you had shot that. Um... That was about the time um, after we split off from you. We stopped at a creek, and I was like, man, I really don't want to 
jam you guys up and we're, we're close enough, but far enough apart. And anyway, Mike and I went up, we got on two bulls immediately. Uh, neither one, one was a, what'd you call them? A squeaker. Uh, one was a squeaker and one was a growler. And I think the growler had cows. We climbed all the way up there and every bull in the canyon was where we had just left from within an hour. Like how many bulls were bugling at that valley floor? Uh, I, I was hard to keep count. There was, it, uh, there was the ones up by you guys. There was at least three or four up by where South and them were working on his bull, breaking it down. There was probably five at the head of the canyon. There was two across the can. It was it was pandemonium. So we're we're trying to figure out how to get down to get on these bulls without them winding us. We get down there, it, it, they're not there. So we're trying to figure out exactly where they were. So we climb up on the other side of the hill. I think we both took a crap ate something and we're like, well, let's just push forward and be cognizant not to get too close to you. We, even though we didn't know where you were, we were taking a guess. We didn't go very far and we get on that bull that you, that's when you called in that cow called that was coming. And then, mm -hmm. and that bull, that was a growler. We got into him. Well, now we got. No, it, cause we, yeah. uh, so we, we. It's kind of all blending when, together. When we <laughs> broke off, South kept going up the drainage and you and I, decided we'd kind of hike up this deep spot and just listen because it, those bulls another weird thing about these bulls is they were like on a reverse schedule they wouldn't bugle you wouldn't hear your first normally you're you're on a full moon you're up two hours before sunrise at least trying to locate bulls bugling um well it's still dark and the moon's still up and bright out there they wouldn't make they didn't make a peep until the sun was either at right at sunrise or like 10 minutes before sunrise as soon as that something about when the sun would come up they they were like the opposite of of the elk i've hunted ever and they would just start ripping as soon as the sun was up it was it was crazy that even that the second day um we didn't hear that you the day you guys were going up high and we went up that crappy canyon uh that bull that fired off he didn't fire off until the sun was almost up it was crazy but um so we hiked up that hill which was a terrible climb and steep. And we got up it and started hearing a growler down in the bottom, like hammering. And the, the, the OTC elk hunter and me is like, all right, I know we just climbed this, Aaron, but we need to go down there and get on that bull. <laughs> uh, but we, we hung out, and then there was three or four bulls above us, and one of them was yeah, I'm another. i remember how many. One of them was another just nasty growler. And so. But that one you ended up calling in. Uh, the one above us. In yeah, the he came, he started to come down, but then yeah. I don't. I think they they skirted around us and dropped all yeah, the way down to yeah. the bottom, which, of course, Sucks. that's typical elk hunting. Is we <laughs> climb, we climbed the mountain, and they went to the bottom. And like, oh, we should have just stayed down on. There the was creek. multiple bulls that met at the bottom below us that just passed where we split up, like a rut fest going on, insane. But and I, of course, at that time, the wind's still kind of blowing down, but it's kind right. of blowing up. So yeah, yeah. That wind is so frustrating in that area. I mean, if I'd be like the one thing they could I'd take half the amount of bulls for a consistent wind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we we dropped down. Um, we didn't get into them, and then we climbed up that other side just to to yep. listen. Climbed up the other side, listened, and then that one was screaming towards him on the other side. Well, there was more than anyway. There's bulls screaming everywhere. We get up there. That one comes in. We don't get it's coming in on a string. That's when you, I think, rake that tree and it walked off. 
So we sat there for a minute and we did our comms check. And so the- yeah, from there, <laughs> so I got to back up a little bit there because you're that's noon then. For, so at nine, that's when I shot my bull, and uh, so we decided to give him an hour because I felt like I hit him towards the even though like so I put a screen capture up on Instagram. Looks money on the screen yeah, capture. It, yeah, it does look perfect on there, but it, I hit him a little bit further back. And uh, and then I think he's kind of angling toward me slightly. So I figure I got maybe one lung liver. And uh, so I decided we'll give him an hour and then we'll go down and start looking for blood. And uh, so we did that. We waited till 10 then dropped down the hill and, and blood was really hard to find at first. And then uh, we found um, several good you know spots where he'd stopped. And it was like, oh yeah, okay. You know, when he stops, he's bleeding really well. And this was probably fifty to seventy yards, maybe below where I'd hit him. Um, and we had decent blood for maybe another thirty or forty yards, and then it would it would go another thirty or forty yards, and then we found one sp- or Levi found one spot of blood on a log on the edge of a log that was, you know, blow down where he crossed over. He actually saw some mud that had come off his yeah, hoof yeah. first and then was checking the mud out. It was like, oh, this is fresh mud and then spotted the spot of blood be- below it. So that was the last spot of blood, which was say a hundred yards or so from where I'd hit this bull. It's important people listen to this because where you hit that bull if he showed me that picture, I'd be like, he's dead in 75 yards. Yeah. Like he yep. looked, that looked money. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we, from that point, we just started, uh, first we started trying to, you know, we continued trying to find blood and then realized we weren't finding it or weren't going to find anymore. And it was just a tangled mess of nasty ass blowdowns and um, deadfall. And, and uh, so we were, I actually, put started my tracker on my onyx and started just like wandering around through there on this flat so we were basically at this point um where i'd shot him was a couple hundred yards or maybe a hundred yards up the ridge from the um up the side hill from the valley floor and he had come down to basically the like where the side hill would meet the valley floor and so it started to level off and then he had started kind of down canyon from that point so um, I got, you know, basically uh, it just started wandering through there with my tracker on. We looked for uh, it was maybe 1130 before we came back to our backpacks where we had dropped our backpacks so we could look more easily. And then uh, we sat, you know, then it's a, I swear blood trailing is like, a high, you know, you shoot the bull. It's like the highest of highs. You get on a blood trail. If it's great blood, you're still super high. If you get on a blood trail, it's crappy blood. Then it's just like total dejection <laughs> and despair <laughs> and like the worst feel. I mean, you go from it's a, such a roller coaster of emotions. And I was at the bottom. I mean, at the bottom of the uh, emotional scale there, and just like feeling like this was so futile. Because you walk around and you're looking in holes in these blowdowns that could easily hide an elk, where if you were 10 yards off of it, then you could easily walk right by it and not see them. And uh, so about 1130, we went back to our backpacks and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, 
this I know this bull is dead. I saw the arrow hit him. We wa- reviewed the video. It wasn't one of those like okay, I'm looking at my quiver. Yes, there's an arrow missing. This did happen, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it just seemed so unbelievable. And I uh, and we had the you know the decent spots of blood, so I knew you know it was a good hit. And I uh, so I, I decided, okay, you guys, let's go back. We'll take a nap, hit it with some fresh eyes, get something to eat. So um, I left my walkie-talkie on. Talk just a little bit about that because a lot of people don't do that. And sometimes that's the smartest thing to do is chill for a bit, get some water and food in you. And and like you said, hit it with fresh eyes, legs, and a new perspective. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, because, you know, I think if we would have just kept going, the dejection would have kept getting worse. (laughs) And and, uh, talking to yourself, shit, take a step, fuck. Shit. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was, you know. <laughs> and then it just like, you know, all the second guesses. I should have swung faster. I should have done this. I should have done that. Maybe we should have waited longer on the, you know, before we started blood trailing, all this. And there's just so much second guessing. And and I'm probably um to my detriment, uh, a perpetual optimist um in life you know i always think that everything's going to turn out great and i always think that you know oh yeah we'll do this and and it'll be work everything will work out well when it comes to shot placement i am like a total pessimist immediately i start second guessing myself and then you get on a blood trail that's weak and then it's just like it, it all just goes downhill and in attitude plays such a vital role in focus and concentration. And if you go in and you're starting to lose hope and lose faith, you're not going to be looking as hard. You're going to be looking over stuff instead of dissecting it. And this is really where, you know, good hunting partners play a huge role in it. And, um, and I, cause like if I get on somebody else's blood trail, I'm a total optimist. And it's funny, it's just when I'm on my own blood trails, and I know this about myself, I've done it so many times, um, that, you know, like leaning on these guys, it was important for me. And I just, it's like, all right, I could see where my attitude was going, that this isn't playing out the way I was hoping. Let's go back. You know, we're not in a rush. We got all day long. It's not about to get dark or anything like that. It's like we have plenty of time. Let's go back. Not horribly hot either. And yeah. you were in the timber. So. Yep. yep. So, yeah, it wasn't like I had a dead elk in the sagebrush baking on a 90 degree day. So we went back, took a nap. I turned the walkie talkie on. Um, and then uh, at one point I heard it crackle. So I, I got up from my nap and I'm like, hey, Aaron. And I heard, it's like, okay, I, I, somebody, you know, I've got somebody, I think it's Aaron. And then I said, Hey, I hit a bull. Now this is a miracle. I heard nothing for 20 minutes except hit a bull. We're grid searching. Uh I heard that. That is all I heard. And we're going back and forth. Uh, Captain, I don't know, Captain Ninja, this is hammerhead. Do you read? Like we're we're just... We said every variation of your name you probably heard in high school. Coxenormous. South Coxenormous. This is South. South is a small cock. This is Mike Hearn. Yeah. Are you there, sir? This is Fathead. Can you hear me? To the point I'm like, well, fuck it. We got enough info, right? Like that we we knew that you had one down. So anyway, go ahead. So um, at this point, I can't remember. I think we went back to sleep again after I couldn't roust you. And then I. um, I'm, I'm just, you know, laying there, not really sleeping, but kind of resting and thinking about like, okay, how are we going to approach this? How am I going to find this bull? And uh, so we, you know, at one point, I think it 
all told we were laid down for 45 minutes or something. We got up and I was like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> all three of us have Onyx. All three of us are going to turn on our, um, our maps and get on the tracker. And we're going to go up the hill just slightly to where, you know, we're above the, the, where the lowest person is on last blood. And then we're going to stagger 50 yards apart. And then we're going to go walk 400 yards um, paralleling the bottom of the basin and uh and we're going to keep each other in sight the whole time and if it ends up having we get have to get closer than 50 yards so we're not leaving anything between us that's what we're going to do we're going to walk 400 yards we get out 400 yards and then we're going to drop down so that we're 50 yards below the lowest sweep and then we're going to come back that you know same 400 yards and we're going to do that all the way until we get to the edge of the timber and the bottom of the basin and uh and then it was like okay i felt like I was looking at my at my tracker um, from before we went to came back to our packs to get something to eat and take a nap, and I was like looking at it, I was like this looks like a three year old on an etch a sketch, and there were so many <laughs> holes where you know I could have walked past it or whatever. There was just no organization to it at all, and uh, so as soon as we came up with that plan and we started executing it, I felt super confident we were going to recover this bull because i knew at this point this bull's dead and all we have to do is find him and i knew that you know kind of based on experience i'm pretty much uh i get you know i've shot i don't know how many animals in the liver and i've never i that i can remember had one go further than 400 yards um so i felt and like my experience as well mm -hmm. 150 to four yeah and they bet up yeah uh, and i knew that you know this isn't these bulls aren't super wired down here. And I just felt like it's going to be dead within that distance. And that we had already covered almost a hundred to the point where we had stopped to eat lunch there. So I felt like, you know, 400 well, yards was getting Why you say cushion. that 300 yards <clears throat> is almost like seven miles when you're blood trailing. It just oh, seems it is. farther. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. At this point we weren't even blood trailing anymore. We were blind searching, but um, so I went highest Mitchell was in the middle and Levi was kind of like on where last blood was. And then we just started walking and, uh, you know, looking, you know, in every pocket. And it wasn't a necessarily a straight line walk that I was doing. I was kind of zigzagging, but maintaining the basic straight line. I was zigzagging so that I wasn't leaving a pocket that was unseen. And uh, I went, oh, probably 250 yards i hear got him from, <laughs> from levi <laughs> and man i was there wasn't a happier person on this earth including the whoever bought a winning lottery ticket that day i i was just and he, levi was out ahead of both mitchell and i he had gotten on a game trail and was kind of um you know just had more of a clear path to walk and and less thick vegetation but um, that bull, I don't know, he probably went all told 300-ish yards and, and uh, was stone dead and stiff. And this, I think we recovered him, it was close to 2 o'clock, if I remember correctly, when I, when I found him, or no, I, 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 Levi found him. And so uh, he had, you know, I'd shot, that was five hours and this guy was rigor mortis stiff. So he, he, he didn't. He did die quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He went out there pretty it was funny. So Mike and I, we get that call and we're like, well, let's just load up and go help Sal. And that changed quick because we got into the face of that basin. How far were you guys? 
from, from the truck or from camp. where these guys were. So we, now keep in mind, we had no clue. Oh, we're okay. just like, we'll go up, give them a hand. We got lots of days left. We get into the mouth of that basin. And I'm like, you know, South's got two guys with him. Yeah. Because it's be like, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. bugles everywhere. Like, what was there, 12? Oh, uh, it was, that and was. You couldn't draw this shit, an artist. I, I mean, who's the guy with the afro? Bob Ross. Bob yeah, Ross, the happy place. It, it, there's, there's, there's only happy accidents, whatever the hell that guy. I went into, and I'm like, there's a I told dream. I told Aaron the night before, you know, when we rolled into camp and we were giving each other a report, I told him, I said, there's probably, you know, 15 bulls that we either saw or heard in this basin. And I could almost see the eye roll, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, dude, there's so, hundreds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, it, it was better than he described. Creek rolling through the middle, grass, trees, high altitude above tree. I mean, just going off. And I'm like, yeah, Sass, he's probably okay. We can find him later. And I, <laughs> I could total dick move. I'm like, he's got Mitchell and Levi. Maybe he'll hear us or what. And, and, uh, you know, he'll, cause we're, we're calling. And so we're kind of chilling. We have one bugle across. We get over there. Mike's like, maybe it's echoing. And I'm like, fuck. So we, we go all the way back across to your side, which we didn't know what your side was at the right. time. We're there for what, 20 minutes? Fucking bugle cranks off right where we just were. Yep. And I'm like, Mike, I'm going to just go put a stock on it. Just keep it talking. So Mike's doing his voodoo witchcraft. I go across, and this is where those wind floaters come into play. I drop one because at that time the wind's blowing up, but it goes up and just shoots straight right. And I'm like, I got to climb up above it. So I go way right. Mike's got no idea what I'm doing. I get all the way above it. This is one of the coolest stocks I've ever had. Well, I say cool it. This is the coolest stock I've ever had on an elk. Of course, I didn't kill it. And I'm creeping down on this thing, and it's just every, it's bugling. Mike's getting it to talk, and stalking in that is not easy, the deadfall. So I'm, I'm picking my battles of where to go through and not make noise. I get 16 yards from that fucker. And he's, and it about gave me a heart attack because Mike's bugling, and I know I'm close. I was like, I mean, my asshole ring about snapped. I'm like, Jesus. Well, now I know he's below me, but I, but there's so much deadfall. And I'm like, I guess I'll bugle and get him to stand up. So I got that bugle tube and I'm like, he stands up and there's a log right in front of his vitals at 16 yards. Well, luckily I had that face mask off I, and he looks back and he looks around. Can you see the antlers at this point? Oh, his, I can see so, everything so at this how, point. How except big of a bull is he? Three twenty. Well, you saw him run across. He's probably three three twenty. Oh um, man! And I'm like, you got a fucking log right in front of him. And I'm like, fuck! Don't blow! Don't blow! He lays back down, and oh. I'm like, <laughs> and a cow stands up, and I'm like, no wonder he wouldn't come. He's got cows. So now I can see three, two cows, or in the bull. I'm like, no problem. He doesn't know I'm here. I wait a sec because I was gone for what, probably forty minutes. Mike's not listening. How long was I going? <laughs> Probably close to an hour. Yeah. I feel like. Because I was. I don't know. It felt, it felt like an eternity because I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to keep the bull talking. It, and, and I'm being meticulous. I'm moving a foot at a time trying to figure out. So I actually back up and I'm thinking, and I'm going backwards, not looking. I'm like glancing because I'm watching because I'm like, he stands up. I, I'll eventually be high enough to kill him. I get above and I'm like, yeah, I ain't killing shit. I can't get a shot at him. I shift over. 
I hear it, meow, and he stands back up, and he's at 22. No shot. I'm like, okay, if I don't screw this up and the wind doesn't screw me, I'll eventually kill him if I don't do anything stupid, like fall off a log, which is very easy to do, trying to climb over. So this went on for 20 minutes. He was at 16, 22, 18, 32, 18, and at 18, again, I got a shot now. And I'm, I'm at this point, I've got tunnel vision, which is not good. So I go, meow, and he looks straight back, and he takes a step forward, and there's a cow from me to the fridge that it stands up, blows the whole shittery. Oh. And they all run across the field. You thought I shot yeah. him. I um, thought you might have shot one. Yeah. And then I wasn't sure if you blew him out of there, shot one, or they actually decided to come into my calling. Because as I was over there calling, <laughs> as I was over there calling, other bulls were bulls coming. That were I could on hear the same, yeah. Bulls that were on the same <laughs> yeah. side as us started to close the distance. Yeah. And then I heard branches start to break behind me. And I turn around, and I'm like, they're south. <laughs> so I take, a, I take a, a calling interlude and go talk to south. He's like, yeah, we found him. He's like, look at this. He pulls out his phone and shows me that screen grab of, of him at four yards from this bull. And I'm like, you did it again. Like, I was dumbfounded that it, it had happened again. I was so stoked. And I was like, all right. Sorry, south. I can get my head back in the game. <laughs> Aaron's over there trying to kill a bull. So I, I'm like going back and forth between being pumped at what I just saw South pull off and trying to work that bull. And then South dropped his pack. He's like, I'm dropping my pack. I'm going to camp. And I couldn't remember. You said you were marking it, and I couldn't remember if I had said we were going to stay there. He, he hung some ribbon. It. So I hung ribbon when you took off because he's like, fuck, I can't remember. But either way, his pack's right on the trail. So as long as I hang ribbon all around it, that should cue him back into his pack. So I didn't come out of the wood line too much longer after that. that and about- it was kind of like the... That was about 10, 15 minutes after. The shot, blood trailing, high of high, low of lows. Like, I was just on cloud nine with some of the coolest. I mean, being within 30 yards, but sub 20 of a bull for 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and being and it meticulous, right? Trying to move around in that tangled up deadfall. So, now I'm low of lows. I'm like, man. So, I come down, and then I get the high of highs. He run into you. You found the bull. And I'm like, okay, we're going to give him a hand. Mike's like, no, no, South kept hunting. And I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, South, said, South said keep going. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, he's got two guys. He's good. So, Mike. No, no, I, just a real quick interruption. So, Levi and uh, Mitchell stayed behind to break the bull down while I went back to camp to get the while you're interrupting, so make it a long one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, we were four miles from camp at this point, and uh, – we recovered the bull at two o'clock, did some video, did some pictures. And then uh, rather than us suff- do the suffer fest, you know, and pack this bull out on our backs, I figured, you know, it's uh, going to be an extra eight miles for me to walk down there, get the llamas and come back up. But it's a hell of a lot better than, than us, you know, splitting the bull up three ways and carrying it down. And so I decided it was the lesser of two evils. And those guys were like, oh, yeah, no, dude, we'll stay, we'll stay here and break them down. And uh, so I just, I left my backpack where I ran into you, Mike, and then uh, and my bow, and I just grabbed a 16-ounce Nalgene full of water and then uh, hoofed it back to camp, got the llamas saddled up, got panniers on them, and, and then uh, I think it was probably 4.30 or 5, by, probably 5-ish that I made it back up. Um, now it's maybe even closer to 6. Um, that was not a short trip back that's <laughs> no, pretty good scoot down there yeah i remember because mike 
big wienered me and was like, we can keep going, but I'll tell that story in a minute. So, but yeah, when we, we, there's bulls everywhere at the end of that Canyon. And I'm like, man, let's, let's go up. And Mike's like, man, there's two growlers. We got one here and one here. Let's just go back one of these. And in my, I'm not saying it as much as Mike, I'm thinking it. If we can't kill an elk in here, I should probably stop elk hunting. Like there's just too many elk. And Mike's like, let's get to the end of this, kill one of these motherfuckers. And I'm like, all right. So we get to the end and it didn't take long. We zigzagged our way about probably with the altitude or elevation. You shot yours on that side hill off. And Mike's calling and there's elk four or six going on. There's a bunch. But that, so that, that's when we called in that bull where I started breaking branches. And oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. We got up. We only went 100, 150 <laughs> yards away from where we were set up trying oh, to call that bull. I didn't even tell you. We, so we were sitting there, um, you know, at whatever it was, um, uh-oh, 1230. No, it was, bef- well, it was right when we got it from our nap, you know, before we st- finished the, the blood trailing. So we're sitting there talking about what we're going to do, making a plan, and there's a bull right at the ridge above us, and it's, I'm in less than 100 yards for sure. And I, uh, so I was like, hey, Mitchell, cow call that thing. He cow calls and it starts coming closer. And I'm like thinking to myself, I know I got a dead bull, but are we going to find the thing? This bull's coming in and I'm just like, dude, I don't even want to be tempted. And uh, <laughs> this finally at, I don't know, probably less than 75 yards, he, the wind switches and he smells us. And I was like, well, we didn't, didn't have want- that problem south. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I talked about that, your ethical compass and how easy it can shift. But anyway, we, yeah, I forgot. You're right. That you called, that's when you called that bull in. And I wasn't, I was more baffled. I wasn't like mad at Mike and I, and I don't get mad at the caller. I was more like. How, what's wrong with these elk? Like, why, what? And my, Mike was, had the cone of shame. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, I would have done the same Oz thing. Pissed. Like, Oz boo boo lips, big but, time. But like, when he, he couldn't see it, when he cow called, that fuck, I mean, he started running. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, it's going to run great. And I had good cover. Anyway, it goes off. And so we go up a little bit farther. That's when I saw that one big bull at the, the right side of the left edge of the basin. And I mean, I got it. And I'm like, Mike big bull big bull well then two or three were bugling and then 250 yards up at the end of it and and mike's like i'll set up here and i'm like okay there was good patch of trees for him and good ones for me and this is when i was talking about setting up the calling situation i had a tree to my left a tree to my right a pine behind me and in front of me at 10 yards i had a tree which i like to do even though it can screw you to draw and that was i'm like he comes to the right we're looking at a sub I don't know, me to Frank, like a uh, south shot. He goes to the left. I got a 10-yard shot and a gimme because I can draw. Well, he's coming in, and I look, and I'm like, eh, he's not that one, but I don't give a shit. He's dying today. And I'm like, okay, he goes right. I can pivot easy. He goes left. I'm good. What I didn't look at is overhead cover, so I had to scrouch down. He goes left, and at this point, he's, that's like a 10-yard. Oh, he was close. He was close, and he, he bugled. What kind of did the whole thing is he screamed, right in my face and i was like this is as good as it gets so i shoot and for whatever reason i normally know exactly where i hit i thought i hit high long so it runs off and he looked screwed up and i thought i heard him fall but i couldn't see and i just i always do this after i shoot one i bugle 
just to yeah, he thinks it gouged yeah. him or whatever. I don't know. It makes me feel good. This just nasty bugle. And I that that big bull, the herd bull, bugles back, just he's a growler. So I look back at Mike and I'm like, the fuck happened? Did he die? And Mike's like, he's down, dude, he's down. And I'm like, did I hit him high? He's like, he's down. And I'm like, I don't oh. know where you hit him, but I watched him, I watched him dump. <laughs> he ran 50 and rolled 20 back to us. So, cause we were on that steeper, right at the edge of the steeper portion. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I bugle again and I'm like, oh, and I start walking back to Mike and Mike's eyes go <laughs> saucers. And he comes in with all his cows with, I don't know, whatever broad, close, uh, broadside. But that wasn't the only bull that came. No, there was two other bulls. <laughs> there was two other bulls within a hundred yards to the, to the right, right of us, and one a hundred yards yeah, above. That were just hammering. I think that one above was the one that I boogered out breaking. Yeah, because he went in the same spot. Yep. yep. So now it's the, the entire time we broke down. They never stopped. I mean, they bugled, but there was four or I don't know. There was bulls on the other side of the valley too. So at this point, I'm like. For what are we eight or twelve miles in? I'm like this is gonna be an interesting evening. So we go, we take a, we don't spend a ton of time on photos. The elk kind of died in a decent spot. We take a couple pics. Mike gets that was funny. Mike climbs on top of a a stump about this big to try to get an aerial view. <laughs> I got photos of him trying to climb on this to get a, an aerial shot. So we get it broken down, and I'm like, you good to just pack it out? To camp and Mike's like, yeah, I'm good. So we loaded up um, a whole elk, a whole yeah, elk. between whole elk. two people, <laughs> one of which is 150 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, at best. <laughs> so I don't know how much weight we both had with gear and everything, but I would guess I had, I don't know, a hundred and something, and you had a hundred in a bit. I would think. I well, that it was more than a hundred because I did all right with that hundred getting out. Yeah, and I did. I don't. It was heavy and it not cool. Was bad. So we get down and we go maybe three quarters of a mile, and I'm like, Mike, let's hang it up. And Mike's like, We're good. Let's just keep going. I'm like, Fuck. So I'm <laughs> waddling down, and thank God the next time I'm like, Mike, I'm I'm done. Like I don't. This is stupid. The llamas can come. Mike's like, Thank God. I should yeah. have never said five, that. Five seconds after I said we're good, I'm like, oh, I just fucked myself real bad. This sucks. So we start hanging the meat up on the meat pole. We get all the meat hung up and the meat pole falls. Oh. And of course, we're laughing. I mean, you can't not be anything but happy. You know, I, I don't, neither one of us really tired at that point. No. So we ate some stuff, rehung up the meat. I left um, my black bag and the cord sitting on a log. One, in case we needed to... The, the, that big dry sack and then the cord for strapping stuff down and then off we went and i don't know we didn't get to camp that late 9 30 yeah well it's get dark around 7 30 uh, yeah about 7 30 we rolled into camp um a little after eight yeah so it was already dark when we got there and then we were kind of getting our stuff together and you know getting dinner cooked and all that not really trying to get to bed anytime real fast because we were wondering how you know what went down with you guys and then as it got closer to nine and then past nine i'm like snyder shot something those guys wouldn't be down here that late otherwise you know so it i think at 9 30 i just shut my headlamp off or was just about to and then i i i heard you guys coming uh we would have been there earlier <clears throat> if i wouldn't have lost this fucking trail so many times he under <laughs> made an understatement when you said, or you, well, you probably described it. You said it is impossible to follow this trail without base map Ronick. 
Um, and on the way out, I had proved that because I lost it. Mike's like, it's down lower. And I'm like, I was just fucking on it. And then we'd get on it again. I'd lose it. And it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's relatively decent trail. Yeah. But like, so we get down and I'm like, man, I think we're about to round the horn. Um, when I say around the horn, you curve around this valley. And, and once we got to that point, it's 800 yards. Or yeah. Camp. I'm not even certain that the trail connects like <laughs> all the way. You know, I think that there's like, you'll go along and then the trail just kind of disappears into the grass. And then you have to go uphill a hundred yards in order to be able to find another trail. And it's like these gaps that don't really make any sense, like train tracks that got shifted and, and, uh, have missed each other but like you said it's not uh you know it's going through um meadows for the most part yeah, so. it's not bad it's a little bit of deadfall aspen deadfall but yeah we get to camp we shoot the shit for a minute mike and i talk back and forth in the tent we eat a bunch and so the next morning south was more motivated that night thank god than the next morning because yeah. he's like let's get up around 5 30 and i'm like ah i get up at 5 5 30 and i'm like yeah, everything's frozen. I'm like, I total don't hear, deep freeze. Did everyone leave? <laughs> um, and and I'm like, uh, Mike, I don't hear Mike, and I can hear you. I'm like, I hear you roll around in your bed. I'm like, thank God. So we ended up sleeping until <laughs> seven or so. I don't know what it was, six thirty, and it was it was cold. So we get up, and we're kind of trying to figure out is this going to be a two day thing, a three day thing, or a one day thing. So I I think I was pushing for you and I to go up get my stuff, come down, these guys head out. Either way, we, we've had it semi-figured out how yep. we could do it in a day. Um, south putting on the, the most miles, but you probably, you only had the weight on for a while, but you right. had to do a marathon of a day going back and forth. Yeah, I, I figured, you know, when, when I was going to bed that night, when I found out that you'd kill the bull, no matter which way I twisted the Rubik's Cube, we weren't getting out but two days. There yeah. was just no way. And I was that twisting I that Rubik's Cube to everybody suck it the fuck up. Let's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was funny because the only screw up was, which I didn't even think about it at the time, and it wasn't that major of a screw up. The moment you had me text Levi. Yeah, to leave his pack. About 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, he's like, did they leave yet? Yeah. And I'm like, I think so. And he's like, I fucked up. I shouldn't have had Levi leave his pack. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we did is uh, from base camp, um, the Aaron's bull was, well, both of our bulls originally, but Aaron's, you know, my meat got packed back to camp that night. Aaron's meat was still four miles back up in the wrong direction, of course, from uh, the trailhead. And so what we figured uh, we do is, Next morning when we got up, uh, Aaron and I would grab the llamas and go and get his elk while Mitchell, Mike, and Levi broke down their camp, packed all their gear out and uh, to the trailhead. Then they would turn around and start hiking back towards camp. Meanwhile, Aaron and I would have gotten back to camp. We'd load his meat and whatever camp gear, which ended up being all of our camp gear on our backs. And uh, good, clean, fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, whatever meat that we could grab of my bull. And then we would hike towards the trailhead. And when we bumped into the other three guys, then we would, um, I would unload the llamas, um, which end up being two llamas, not all three. And then they would, they end up taking one llama, 
and uh, and Levi took my backpack. Well, you the, gave us the bitch llama, by the way. I had to drag that llama down the trail, and I know I had more weight in my pack than it did in its panniers. Well, the funny thing is with llamas is they're kind of herd animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really, if we would have had one llama by itself, it probably would have been fine, or all three going together, it would have been fine. But once you separate them, they don't like that. That at llama, all. yeah, that llama wasn't happy when you took yeah. off with the other two. That llama was very upset. That- yeah, and my lo- two llamas that I took were just the same. They kept, you know, wanting to stop and go back to, to the other llama. So, you know, that probably wasn't the smartest play, but it was what That's needed the only to be done. Play yeah, that we had. Yeah. yeah. Well, I miscalculated. I mean, going back to what you're talking about, when I had Levi leave his backpack at the trailhead, I was figuring. I'd kind of calculated in my head that we would have enough, you know, enough llama power and enough uh, people power that um, that I wouldn't need a backpack when I got back to haul the meat out. Well, what I kind of underestimated was the amount that we carried to our meeting point, um, and because the llamas did fine carrying out the the la- the two llamas I brought back did fine carrying out the bull, but we brought too much weight to our meeting point and you guys ended up having to carry a lot more weight than what oh, we had 140 anticipated. fucking pounds. So, so <laughs> let's, let's back this up. So we break down as much a camp as possible. Like we didn't break down your tents, but I was, I was packing stuff in my pack that came from Aaron's tent. Like I was like, I'm trying to get as much out in the first load as possible. I mean, my, my snow collar was all the way, my snow collar was filled to the top. Every, all my pockets were full. So we get down to the truck and it's, a seven eight mile hike down to the truck we get down to the truck unload everything i'm like all right i want to i want to eat a snack and mitchell's like now nah, we got to hurry up and get back up there otherwise we're screwing those guys and i'm like well we're not really south i already got i'd already gotten a message to have levi leave his pack i'm like well if levi's leaving his pack that means south's gonna go back up there fast and light because levi's gonna carry one of those backpacks and um and he's like, yeah, but we're screwing. I'm like, no, we're not screwing them. The faster we get in there, the further we have to walk with <laughs> a shitload of weight on our uh-huh. back. He's like, he's like, well, it's still going to be quicker. I want, I want to see my girlfriend tonight. And I'm like, it's not going to be any quicker. It's in fact, I think if if we get three quarters of the way back to camp and then you put a hundred pounds on my back, it's going to be infinitely slower. Um, but he was fired up to go, so we went. And uh, we met you guys probably just right, right about at halfway or a little bit past yeah, you halfway. Guys were, you guys were four miles in where we uh, where we met up to you. So we had gone about three. Yep. So right at just about yeah. halfway or past it. But uh, we get there and then we start on. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. I was like, I knew it. I was like, all this weight was on three animals. And now it's going to be on my <laughs> yeah. tiny, my tiny little two legs. Um well, we loaded those packs up and and uh, it was got a out of there. Sh- it was a shit show. It was funny. Um, we were weighing our packs, and I I had a eighty, same thing you did, seventy eight eighty, and then we're running out of like you said horsepower. Um, so I grabbed what was that bag thirty six. I threw that on, um, and then we ran out of. Anyway, the long that was what it was. I was up to a hundred and something, and I'm like, that's not that bad. Well then, when did I yell at Mitchell? Well, you, it was around the time he weighs like, oh yeah, seventy. I know my body, and I and I'm there's still a bag of meat on the ground, and I already know, I already know my pack is half my body weight or more at this point. And I'm like, well, there's still a bag of meat on the ground. I was like, Fuck. no, there was there was two bags. 
Yeah, so I grabbed one and threw it in my pack. Yeah. It, and I already up, weighed it, and I was like, all right, well, I am now officially carrying almost my body weight. <laughs> well, um, I, I had already, I grabbed one and went from 80 to 100 to 120 or 125, and in that fucking rack, the llama would not take the rack. So I'm like, fuck it, it's four miles. I can do anything for four miles. Somewhere in the middle there, Mitchell weighed his pack and it was 70 something. What the hell? And he's like, I know my body. And I was, and I wasn't mad, but I was like, motherfucker, you're half my age. Put some more goddamn weight in that fucking backpack. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, poor little Mike weighs, you know, and Mitchell's like, all right. So he threw some more, he threw, he threw a 30, 40 pound bag yeah, in oh there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We, you were know, all, he we were all about even by the time we walked out of there, except for you. Yes. They know we fucking were not. Cause if we were, I would have given you some of mine. Cause I, I got on my feet and I kind of pretended like it wasn't bad. <laughs> I was like, I can't remember. I said, let's just get this done and get the fuck out of here. Cause I got to get this. I'm not stopping. And I didn't. Cause I, I think I passed you. You had the long, not I, that I, Mike would have kept up with me. <laughs> Mike had to drag the llama. Uh, yeah, they, they took the llama for like the first mile, and they we stopped. We all stopped, refilled water. water, and then everyone was complaining about the llama. And I was like, "Fuck it, I'll take it." But I I put my head down and was like, "Guys, I'm gonna smoke it out of here and hopefully meet uh, the the dude with yeah." Him. And I will not mention his name. I messaged him, no reply, and for a while. And he's like, "I'm at a volleyball game. I'm like, we'll just wait for you. Not a you know, not yeah. a big deal." But I didn't know that. I'm like, I'm gonna haul ass out hopefully get ahead because I probably beat probably 15, 20 minutes ahead of you guys. So I thought plenty of time to, so I I'm literally cresting that hill where I can see your truck. Yeah. And I, I am truly on my last, I'm not doing well. Like right. I'm not running on fumes. I'll tell you what it was is I had uh, my left ass cheek hip flexor. With, in fact, when Dr. Caroline uh, dry needled me, she's like, you've officially set a record for the, tightest i've ever seen the the needles were bending oh, uh, so i, I but i when i got to that point there's a truck coming up the road and i'm like who the hell is this uh-huh. and i'm not happy by any stretch right i'm i'm done they get out of the truck they're like easy day and i'm like and i mean i have a pack six feet over my head and i'm red as shit and waddling and i'm most, like most brilliant observation ever right, sir and yeah. i'm like no it wasn't who are you? What's going, wh how you doing? You know, I'm like, what's, what's uh, up? Oh, we, we're hunting up here. We're camped right here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound worse than it. my, my synapses aren't firing to like what I should say exactly quickly. And I'm like, uh, uh, you, uh, can you help me? <laughs> so they get the pack off my, they both grab the pack and I, I hunch over for a second, you know, with my hands on my knees and I'm like, can you guys give us a ride back to the truck? But I didn't give any context. They're like, and the old man's like, uh, we're getting ready to eat dinner. And I'm like, yeah, can you give us a ride back to the truck? <laughs> Guilt it's just at the it. bottom. And the younger guy was cool. He's like, no problem. And I'm like, look, if we have to, I can unhook your trailer. It's not a big deal. But if you could run us down there, it'd be a huge help. I don't mind paying you. And the, the young guy was like, no, no problem. He'll go finish dinner. And we're shooting the, and I'm not, Again, I'm not fully functioning on my brain, right? And they're talking to me, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I can't remember what he just said. I got a reply. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm like, shit. Uh, well, 15, 20 minutes after, here these guys, Mike comes with the llama, and 
I'm like trying to get all my, you know, like get something in me. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, man, this is not good. Cause I, and I'm not trying to be like the world's most pessimistic person, but I'm like, mm, you don't have any communication. And I'm like, I hope South made it back and those llamas could handle that weight, you know, cause I'm just like, okay, yeah. what's going to happen here? Do we need to go back in? And I'm like, I sit down for 30 minutes and eat something. I, I can go, I got juice left in the tank. I just got to rehydrate. I'm like, I could go back in and help South. And the longer I sit, I'm like, I don't know if I can go back in and help South. Uh, I'm really stiff. To get yeah. Stiff. Yeah. <laughs> like the one time I stood up and I think uh, Mitchell or someone, uh, we were sitting, Mitchell or, or Levi were like, dude, you're a beast. And I stood up and I'm like, no, I am not. I am not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, literally, when we walked into the gas station, it looked like we both got hit with rock salt. Uh, in our legs because my feet were just hammered my well dude, you got same yeah years of abuse so mitchell and levi came that dog came i played with him gave him a bunch of eight dollar on it bars um <laughs> he had some really good beef jerky he ate some good meat that dude gave uh, him a ride down and you didn't come that you weren't that far behind it yeah we i i rolled back to the truck i think i got there quarter after eight something like that yeah 20 minutes probably yeah I bet. yeah because it was dark when we left yeah. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Um, but I think, so you probably, you had to have close to 25, 30 miles. That day. It was a, it was a pretty good day. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as, uh, when I shot my mule deer, I did 30 miles with, uh, I did down 10 miles and 4,000 feet of elevation drop back up 10 miles, 4,000 feet of elevation gain back down 10 miles, 4,000 feet elevation drop. And that was- That's horrible. That's the roughest day that I've, I've done. Well, and I've done, we were talking about some of the pack outs because it is taking, you got a choice, right? One trip with a yeah. lot of weight or a few trips. And, right. Uh, when Dinglehopper and I packed his bull out, that was legit 178 pounds for, how far was that, Frank? You hiked that with me. I don't know. Way too far. Five, five or six miles. Way too far. Brutal. And I, I was, same thing. When I got to the trailhead, I couldn't have had a, a, a functioning conversation with, with anyone. Like, yeah. I was not doing well. Well, I wasn't as bad, you know, this time. And, and uh, of course, Levi saved the day. He gave me some Ritz crackers with the cheese in them. He's uh -huh. like, here you go. And he threw them at me. And he gave me some, oh, he had two. No, you gave me tuna and pita bread. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it's funny. It's good. I guess it's nice having everybody was in a good mood. Yep. Like nobody was oh, down. Yeah. Nobody was complaining. Right. And that's hard to find, especially on pack outs like that. I mean, you could have made it worse, but the trail wasn't horrible. It was made it yeah. nice. And I had blocked out what was coming. And Mike's like, there's a fucking horrible climb right at the end. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Uh -huh. I remembered it when I was on it. And I, <laughs> I literally yeah. was in my mind. I talked to myself and I'm like, just don't stop. Just keep going. You're good. You can do anything for four miles. You could, you could pack out anything. Just keep going. And I remember I hunched over and put my hands on my knees and I was like, and this one shot off. Uh -huh. oh. <laughs> okay. No more of that. No more. Of that. Uh -huh. Just go. And, uh, but it was, it's not, it's worse with weight on your back, but yeah. that last climb was a kick in the ding ding yeah. right before the truck. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, mm. that's where the llama, I was just so, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not a large man, and and after years in the military, you throw a large amount of weight on my back. 
I run like a freaking rented mule because I know the quicker I get, yeah, wherever you didn't I got to get llama, that, you were moving. <laughs> wherever I get, where, I know as soon as I get where I got to get this weight to, I can get it off my back, and that's all I want to do. That's my mission. So I started going, and then I had the llama halfway up the hill. The llama stops, spreads its legs so I can't pull oh, it. No. I'm dragging it down the trail and starts peeing. <laughs> and it is the longest Oh, they pee, pee forever. Yeah. Yeah. Longest pee I've ever witnessed an animal take, probably because I'm standing there with 100 plus pounds on my back, like, please, come on. <laughs> so close. Yeah, uh, you might as well break camp when they uh, mm-hmm. they stop to urinate. Those things is our, they make a career out of it. I got up, I got up and over that hill, and I saw Aaron talking to those those two guys by the truck. And Aaron's like, "What do you need? I'll get this pack off me." He pulls the pack off me. He's like, "God damn, you're a tough little fucker." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because when they grabbed my pack, they were like, "How far'd you go?" And I'm like, "And again, I'm not." Hopefully, I didn't come off as a dick because there wasn't a lot of you know more than one word replies. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Far." He's like, "How far?" I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know. Far, far." I said, "I I think I had it uh, with this much weight for maybe four or five miles." Like, oh, where were you camped? And I'm like, I don't know. I said eight, twelve miles in. I, I can't really remember exactly. And I wasn't trying to be deceitful. I'm just right. like <laughs> Brain wasn't working. We walked so far. I was like, well, South and I and I'm literally like four, eight, six sixteen miles, maybe, uh, I think. And they they're like, We've hunted this before and whatever, you know, and I'm like, Oh, cool, cool. So thank God. Levi was much more chipper, uh-huh. uh, and, and and Mitchell just doesn't talk a lot. Mitchell's a lot like Frank. He doesn't say a lot, but when he does, you know, it's listen, right? Yeah. And uh, Levi came down, and at one point, I can't say exactly what he said. I was like, man, I really want to go home and hang out with my wife. This will be good. We're getting back tonight. He's like, I don't know about you, Snyder, but I'm going to go home and bang mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it, it was funny because it's like. Oh, he's a funny little dude. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, he's a cool guy. All those guys were cool. Mitchell was awesome. In fact, I told Mitchell, I'm like, dude, if you want to get out of Colorado, we'll, we'll hire you when we move to Wyoming. He's yeah. a good dude. He's a, he's a great, great guy for yeah. sure. So, Yeah, like you said, man, it, it's you get a good group of people together and it sure changes a, um, you know, an experience versus you get you know, somebody that, that doesn't work in the, in the group and it's uh, – whole different um atmosphere the worst thing and i i had to hunt with a guy like this is you know constantly yelling at the caller the caller did something wrong the right. setup was wrong the what and it's like i just don't get like that because it's what more can you ask for you got elk call around sure who cares right you're you're in you're not at work right you're you're yep. in a good place and so that was like uh, what now i will say when mike came up i'm like mike you wouldn't believe this that elk was coming in on a string and i wasn't mad i was just like these elk are different. Yeah. yeah. They're just weird yeah. when you call them in and you can't, anybody that's yelling at the caller all the time should be hung yeah. and stoned to death because the caller gets nothing <laughs> yeah. out of it, right? I mean, right. The caller's <laughs> the one getting screwed, right? He doesn't get to shoot anything and he doesn't really get to see that much either. He's back calling. Yeah. So. It's all intrinsic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, man, I bet that looked cool, but. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. At South, anything like you would change? Um, Maybe. Be Other to, than more llamas? Uh, <laughs> triple the llamas. Be able to do this like two or three times a year yeah, no, <laughs> as opposed to once. No kidding. I, uh, in one, I'm glad, I mean, in one way I was glad, I mean, I'm super happy with the bull I shot. I didn't, man, I didn't, and I wasn't thinking of this when I shot it, but after I shot it, I was like, wow, man, this is good because then you don't have to hang out for, for too, too long. But I, uh, the only thing I would change, um, really is just llamas and there was nothing we could do about that. I mean, other than that, everything was, 
Yeah. I mean, I, pretty dang cool. Um, yep. Other than chasing after the few first bugle we heard here, you just don't have to do that back there, which is hard to pass up. But man, there's just tons of elk. Yeah. Um, no, there is for sure. I mean, in, in uh, um, I would have taken more pita bread. Yeah, oh, that pita yeah. bread was delicious. <laughs> I ate that one I on the way down. And I'm like, more. I should have kept all of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, man, I had a, uh, I don't know how many come in that um, bag when you buy them. There's probably ten or twelve of them, and I ate, you know, what three or four during the days that we were up there, and then gave uh, gave you one, and I can't remember who else I gave, but I I turned, you know, at least half the pack into frisbees, you know, so we didn't have to carry it out. And then when I went back up to grab that last, uh, did you go grab last, some pita oh, bread yeah. in the grass? No, yeah. I, I was digging through the grass. <laughs> I was like, okay, this one's lying on top of the other one, so the one underneath is going to be more moist. So yeah. I was digging around. Yeah, uh, I ate another one of them on the way out. <laughs> yeah, no, they were good. But no, you could. I couldn't. I wouldn't have changed anything from the crew to the hunt or whatever. All the gear was good. The only thing I probably would have. I, I, uh, and there's nothing we could do about this. You had issues with your in reach and customer service wasn't open yeah. other than communication. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was, um, I, of course, you know, being the procrastinator I am, waited until Friday night, the night before we left to, uh, reactivate my service. And when I went to, uh, reactivate it, it said, your service is suspended. Call customer service and they're not open on the weekends. So, I was not able to get my in-reach going um, next year. Note to self on timing on that one. Uh, it happens, but That's whatever. funny. Bill did the same thing when we were in Alaska, and he texted his wife from one of ours and said, hey, can you set this up? And she said, yeah, I'll do it Monday, or I'll do it, I'll do it next week sometime or something. <laughs> yeah. We're like, damn. A lot of urgency there. Yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> In other words, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no exactly. kidding. Hey, do you want to text everybody to come da down here in like 15? Um but yeah, man, I can't thank you enough for for inviting me along, and and uh, yeah, and, and Mike for you calling. It was just uh, pretty unbelievable. Like I said, it felt like we were in there ten days, we yeah. were in there for hunting for three. It was just such long, cool days, right? Downtime. Yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to work out with uh, you know two guys going in with tags versus you know when you go in you know by yourself or or part of a group, but there's just one tag, you kind of have the run of the place and you don't have to worry about stepping on each other. But it seemed like we did pretty well back in there as far as not tripping over each other and then uh you know there I'm being enough elk to super cognizant of that. Like when you were like we're all going into the canyon, I'm like, uh, it you know, you invited me. I'm like and it's not like we weren't didn't have elk on the way in. I'm like, right. dude, now I will say when we got to the end, I'm like, yeah, we sh we should probably should have followed south all the way. Yeah, but I don't know. It's big enough, especially, um, you know, if you don't mind walking, you can split it up pretty, yeah, pretty good. Because that's the one thing I didn't want to do, being you know that you invite. I didn't want to fuck you over, basically. And sure. I don't. We never. I don't think we ever screwed each other even no. remotely close no. to one time. No. Other than when we went in and I knew you had a bull down, and I'm like. He'll be okay. Right, we'll find him later. You know, that part I'm like, if you were solo, it'd have been one thing. But sure. I'm like, he's got two guys, and there's eight elk bugling at a minimum. We'll find him in a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. that worked out good. Yeah, him calling and you running into him, you couldn't yeah. have planned that better. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Mike was directly below. I I told uh, Mitchell and Levi, I said, I'm just going to walk straight down 
to uh, the meadow or to the trail there, and then I'm going to dump my pack and then take off from there. And as it worked out, I literally walked right into Mike. I mean, on a string as if he was calling to me. And then it was funny because uh, when Mitchell and Levi came, to, you know, they had to ferry two loads a piece of uh, elk meat down there. And they got down there 20 yards from my pack and didn't even, didn't realize that they were on the other side of the tree from my pack. And uh, so when I walked up, I thought they had seen it, but they were just, you know, sitting there with all the meat hanging in a tree when I came up with the llamas. And, and uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it would be hard to script a hunt any better than, than uh, you know, the way it went. Um, I mean, even the fact that we both, you know, killed on day three of what we had 12 or 13 days, you know, um, within two, two to 300 yards of each yeah, other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy. I mean, it would have been fun to have been back there a little longer, but man, the amount of action we got into in the three days that we actually hunted was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. It was yeah. unreal. Yeah. It was cool. So, well, cool. I guess we'll, we'll wrap that shit. We've been on two hours and 15 minutes. Jesus. Um, we got to do a Monday morning meeting. I'm leaving tomorrow to hopefully go shoot more stuff, but, um, no, I appreciate everything, uh, Mike, you calling and South and inviting us and, and everything else. It was an amazing trip. And Mitchell and Levi, if you guys listen to this, uh, yeah, thanks for, for everything. Um, uh, we got to leave a nickname for Levi. Uh, I do, Abraham, but we got to come up with Mitchell looks like a buff-ass Dennis the Menace to me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It works for me. Uh, remember the snow cu- the guy on Dairy Queen, wasn't, that, wasn't he on the Dairy Queen uh, Cups? Dennis, he looks yeah. like a buff Dennis. He is a big <laughs> motherfucker. Um, he's yoked up. Yeah, he's got. I was laughing. Um, I was looking at some of his shed hunting photos where he's got a sleeveless shirt holding his arms out. I got to make some memes for him for yeah. for those. Like when SpongeBob blows his arms up. Just, <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, well, cool. Everybody appreciate uh, you listening in, and uh, good luck to everyone. And uh, congrats on anybody that's had any success. <laughs>